Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. It is three minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this the month of July in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for uh, joining us. It is Monday, July 20th, 2009. Thank you for uh, drawing near today, ladies and gentle persons. Uh, coming up uh, today, a pair of tickets to see Crewfest 2. It'll be later on today, sometime before the end of the program. You win a copy of uh, the reissue of Dr. Feelgood, the 20th anniversary of Dr. Feelgood, along with tickets to see Crewfest 2, which is coming up next Tuesday. That is uh, not tomorrow. That is a week from tomorrow, though. Next Tuesday, July 28th at Clark County Amphitheater. You can uh, find out more at KUFO.com. Uh, that is part of uh, KUFO's Summer of Rock. So uh, that's uh, sometime today. Tickets to Crewfest 2 and a copy of the reissue, Dr. Feelgood. Uh, later on today, we'll uh, talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Also, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be here. Uh, we have a uh, Geek Watch coming up. Let's see. Some news I haven't even had time to sort yet. We've got this. Uh, do you have this story about AK-47s? I do not know. Yeah, I got that. Uh, do you have the thing about the uh, the toilet on the space station? I do. Okay, fantastic. That. Do you have this thing about the dentist who dropped some tools down a guy's throat? Some tools? I some. Believe more so. than one. All right. Got Multiple that right tools. There. Let's see. Flooded toilet. 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 Tardis. Toilet. All right. Excellent. Okay. Uh, we've got all of that stuff. We've got uh, a few things to get to from last week, including... As a mission for uh, It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard, which we may or may not have time uh, to get to this morning. It's all very busy. And, uh, of course, we have... Uh, I, don't even, I don't even know how to, how to get into this. We have an email from somebody about... How shall I put this? We have an email from somebody about a uh, about a dating issue uh, that they're facing. It sort of has um, sort of has echoes of stump uh, of stuff we talked about last week. So it, it, we'll kind of we'll get to that next hour. There's there's no time to plunge on into that now. Also, I am now within four episodes of being caught up on True Blood entirely. So good. So that means did you watch the first episode of the second season? No, I'm two episodes in. I'm about halfway through the second episode of this season. Okay. So, so I got like two and a half episodes, and then I'll be caught up with all the rest of humanity. If I wasn't spending all my time online looking for videos of Aaron Andrews, not that I'm doing that, because that would because uh, that would be wrong. But I'm just saying theoretically, if I were the kind of guy who'd spend a lot of time doing that this weekend, it would it just eats up all kinds of time. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well. I spent all day yesterday at the river. Yeah, you look a little. Uh, I, got, I got a little sunburned. Yes, yes. But I went to this uh, place up in Washington State, um, and we had to, you know, hike like half a mile in, and went to a swimming hole with like waterfalls and stuff. It was really cool. <laughs> a swimming hole. A really? swimming hole. <laughs> really? Did you and did you and Huck go down? Did you raft down the Mississippi afterward? It really was a swimming hole, though. Like it was just yeah, a bunch of like still water and uh, waterfalls and just. You know, big naked old man drinking next to us. It was great. Did you stop at Goober's gas station on the way up? <laughs> Sample some of Aunt B's pie. 
Excellent. Uh, and today is the 40th anniversary of the moon landing, is it not? It is, and the vast majority of Americans were not alive back then due to the fact that the medium age of Americans is now... 36. Is that true? That is Wait true. a minute. Am I the average American now? Uh, yes. I am 36 years old. Rick Emerson, the average American. Awesome. Imagine right. that. I didn't think that many people were born in the 70s, but apparently so. Yeah, no, the uh, 70, well, there was just, it was just nothing but, uh, it was just nothing but sex parties everywhere, Tim. So, of course, there was the, uh, well, the Gas was too expensive to gas up, so people spent more time at home, I suppose. That's right. There was uh, nowhere to go, and your neighbors were just busy trading keychains with each other. So, here I am. All right, well, let's pay a visit to the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, on your Monday morning. This is Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 5.07. It's going to be close to 100 degrees by the end of the week. The Portland metro area will be under a fire weather watch beginning later this morning. This is kind of shocking. A well-known Seattle recording engineer has been shot to death in a bizarre accident at a Twisp Washington motel. This town of Twisp is above Seattle. 49-year-old Tom Faithful tried to use a key in the wrong hotel room door and was shot to death by the person inside through the door. He was on vacation with his wife. The 49-year-old Faithful's career spanned some 30 years. He engineered live shows for B.B. King, The Black Crows, Hart, Nirvana, and Aerosmith, just to mention a few. And so he was trying to get, so he got, con, he got confused about the hotel room. He's trying to open the wrong door, and some guy just shot him right through the door? Right through the door. First of all, how is it that you can have your career where you're working with the Black Crows and Hart and B.B. King, and yet you're still staying at some hotel that is low rent enough that a guy <laughs> blows you away through the door for jiggling the wrong handle? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Jesus, got him. Well, that's what happened to, depending on which story, version of the story you believe. That is uh, purportedly what happened to Sam Cooke. He of uh, twisting the night away and, uh, you know, you send me and so forth. He was trying to get to the wrong, you know, he was drunk, trying to get to the wrong hotel room, trying to open the door. And I think uh, a woman called the manager who then shot him in the back of the head or something like that. Good God. Well, don't be that guy. That's why people are booking their rooms through Priceline, asking for three-star hotels. That's At least there's less of a chance of that happening. That's right, Tim. Meanwhile, a crowd beat the uh, living daylights out of an alleged robber at the Gresham Flea Market. Cops say 21-year-old Raymond Carlos Baca robbed two men at gunpoint, mugged a guy in a McDonald's restroom, and then made his biggest mistake, pistol-whipping a 71-year-old man at the flea market restroom. Customers confronted and attacked Baca, beating him, holding him down till the cops arrived. Cornelius firefighters will burn down a useless strip mall for fun today. The property is attracting the criminal element. It's better off gone. The torching begins at 6 o'clock tonight. Is Cornelius out by Hillsborough? Yes, it's past it on the way to Forest Grove. That's another, that's another one of those places that is just sort of out there in my... Like, if you, if you were to look at Portland the way it's represented inside my head, there is the metro area, and then beyond that, there's just sort of a here-there-be-dragons kind of a thing, yeah. where it's just like a vague... It's a vague expanse of nothingness. And it's amazing how far people live away from Portland. We consider this the center of the universe, yet... There are people outside the 30-mile area of Portland, and you wonder, why, why, why? I think I went to Cornelius at one point because I was... I think Laura and I went out there because we were like... we, we, we were we, Back when we were trying to buy, we were buying a truck or something. A long time ago, there was some guy online who said, I'm selling a truck, come look at it. And we said, okay, where are you at? And he said, I'm, I'm in Cornelius. And we said, we're in southeast Portland, where, where are you and he gave us the directions, and we didn't really, you know, bother to look all that close. So we just sort of jammed the address into the GPS, and we were just driving for like nine hours, man. It was yeah. just—it was just forever from here. It's like, why did people settle here? Let's get back to the places to be. Well, I suppose they're proud of their town. Let me. Well, it's important. Let's get back to this business of the of the guy who was beaten senseless at the Gresham 
What is swap swap meet flea yes, market flea market flea market. You were saying that he robbed the McDonald's and then he did some second crime and then the third crime was pistol whipping a seventy one year old guy at the Gresham flea market and he got caught. But was this all in, like was this all of a piece? In other words, yes, was it, that it one? Was a, it was a crime wave. It was a whole. Day. It was a, it was a Gresham crime wave. Mm-hmm. It was a whole it was a whole day for him. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he did. It wasn't like he robbed the McDonald's last week, but then this week was the flea market beating. No. They, it was like all he, close together. He had a whole series of things planned out to fill his uh, his Covey planner was uh, was full for that mm-hmm. day. All right. Well, let's do one more, and then we'll uh, then we'll take a break. Well, it'll be be remiss of me not to talk about Walter Cronkite because everybody is today. Uh, Connie Chung said when she was a correspondent, Walter Cronkite had a hands-on approach to the news. He would edit them, and he uh, when I had a report on the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite, he'd call down and say, "Look, I don't I don't think you can say this. Why aren't you?" Explain to me why you think you can say this. And, you know, I'd be shaking in my boots. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Walter Cronkite interfered with the rest of the soundbite. Uh, we'll have uh, more about that. I got, we've got a ton of Walter Cronkite sound. I, I do, too. Uh, to get to. Oh, and then I've got... And then to honor the memory of Walter Cronkite, I've got this retarded reporter from uh, from Florida who was saying something that we'd... Uh, but, you know, they just don't make them like Walter anymore. We have living uh, proof of that coming up later on the day. We have a terribly awkward soundbite from Florida. You stay there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. I was um, obviously moved from the area um, of the feces. Call 503-228-4101. Mommy, what color is a casket? This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This just in. Coming to town at the end of this month. That's right. Willie Tyler and Lester. They will be at the coast, ladies and gentlemen. Both of them. Not just Lester. Not just Willie Tyler. Willie Tyler and Lester. Who's that? Tim, Willie Tyler and Lester. Are they banjo pickers? (laughs) Here's the thing about this. In a weird way, I'm... See, a lot of times I will throw out this cultural reference, and it will come, it, it'll miss Sarah, but then Tim is the anchor that sort of grabs it uh, and makes me feel less alone. I speculated really alone. just as my mouth was open. No, because here's the thing. I can tell from the expression on Greg's face that he knows exactly what I'm talking about. And even as I was getting ready to open my mouth and say, Willie Tyler and Lester will be here. I was already looking ahead to this moment where Sarah was a little too young to know what it was. Tim was on the opposite end of that scale, and Greg and I were right in the middle uh, on the uh, on the Lester and Willie Tyler tip. Oh, I thought they might play the Grand Ole Opry or well, something. Well, that's entirely possible, Tim. Willie Tyler and Lester uh, were... I mean, as I say this out loud, I realize it's totally disproportionate to the amount of time that we should be spending on it in terms of the interest level. They are... A ventriloquist dummy act from the eighties that were sort of, and I want to say that they were part of Reading Rainbow or something, or that they. Then Willie Tyler and Lester. Do we have? Does Greg have his? Uh, Greg has a. We have his microphone, I believe, which is theoretically working at this point. We've uh, our engineers have attended to it to the point that uh, that I think it might actually uh, function. Greg, if you speak, can your voice be heard by the uh, by the huddled masses? Let's see. Hmm. How about now? There we go. There All right. Go. Wow. Willie Tyler and Lester. So am I? Am I uh, incorrect in thinking that Willie and Ty- Willie Tyler and Lester did some sort of that uh, they did some sort of a learning to read esque program like a Lavar Burton kind of a thing? Maybe it was Electric Company. Uh, see, I, I, and I don't really know. I don't think it was the Electric Company, but it might have been a show related to that. Anyway, 
but they're just the most, it's just the most niche of pop culture references. Because A, you had to have been a child. B, you had to have been a child in like, I don't know, maybe around 1983 or so. And C, you had to have been a child that was going to be interested in ventriloquist puppet acts. So it seems like it's three different levels of weird. But you know who else right now is smiling really broadly? As I mentioned, Willie Tyler and Lester. Lester. Lester is Christopher Paddock. So he's on the tip with me. Let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show at the news desk, uh, your personal savior, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. In the news with Tim Riley. The what show? Willie Tyler and Lester, Tim. No, your own show. I, I think you mispronounced your last name. When? Just now. It's entirely possible. Well, I got to I gotta think. I did that thing where I bit my tongue about halfway through that uh, that sentence, uh, and I was trying to play through the pain of going at the news. Do you ever, you know, and then you, it's that thing where you, uh, if you manage to, like, if you, you bite your tongue or you, like, uh, I don't know, you, you, like, you bite your lip or something while you're eating, and then you spend the rest of the day trying not to do it over and over again, even though everything about the rest of the day seems intent on making you rebite the same area, so I'm trying not to do that. Right. That happens to me all the time. Well, good morning, everyone. It is 524 Monday morning. It's going to be close to 100 degrees by the end of the week, 90s until that time. The Portland metro area is under a fire weather watch beginning later this morning. The American soldier being held by the Taliban in Afghanistan has been identified as Private Bowie Bergdahl of Ketchum, Idaho. He's seen on a video posted on the Internet talking about missing his family and worrying he might not make it home from the war. It's kind of eerie. I have my girlfriend who is hoping to marry. Uh, I have my, my grandma and grandpa's. I have a very, very good family that I love back home in America. Well, here's the weird thing about that. I mean, apart from the obvious, is that I guess in in Ketchum, which is uh, I, some I forget where it is, like in in, in relation to Boise, but I, but it's um, but it's in Idaho. Apparently, just a whole bunch of people in the town have known for a couple of yes. weeks, and, and they kept it quiet. And so I don't know. Is that because is that because the military told them? Is that because I mean, I guess they would have no other way to know, right? They must have heard from, like, the government must have told them somehow, mm-hmm. which is weird because you didn't, you wouldn't think that that's the sort of information the government would would give out because they, you know, because you want to kind of, they, they want to keep it under wraps until they see if they can somehow resolve it militarily or whatever. Um, it, but apparently it was uh, sort of an open secret in, uh, you know, in a big part of that town. Portland police have captured a man in a deadly hit and run. 39-year-old Douglas Green is charged with manslaughter and DUI. Green's girlfriend turned him in after seeing the story on the TV that left an 80-year-old pedestrian dead. Green allegedly drove over William Stover at Southeast Powell in 36th at 1.30 Saturday morning. A boy is miraculous... Excuse me. A boy is miraculously still alive after passing up from carbon monoxide fumes, swimming too close to the family boat that was idling in the Columbia over the weekend. The boy was ugly, had a life jacket on, which saved his life. So uh, some of the other things we're, we're talking about, Walter Cronkite, he'll be remembered in a private funeral Thursday in Manhattan. It'll be held for family and close friends at St. Bartholomew's Church. Then a bigger memorial will follow at Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts in New York City. That hasn't been announced. He passed away Friday at the age of 92. Born in Missouri, he began his career in Texas and became the anchor of the CBS Evening News in 1962, holding that position until 1981. He was forced to retire due to CBS policies. They tried to retire at 65. Now, they must have abandoned that a long time ago because all the 60 Minutes guys are much older than that. Did you see him, uh, that clip they were showing where he was interviewed interview with, I think it was Aaron Brown or somebody, and he was talking about 
He had the most gracious way of putting this, but he was talking about how he, even though he was like 92 years of age, he had a non-compete with CBS, mm-hmm. and that CNN kept kept offering him money to do things, and he kept having to turn it down. And he was, I think, it must have been when he was talking with Larry King. They had this excerpt from Walter Cronkite talking to Larry King, and this was just, I think, 18 months ago or something. I mean, it was, you know, still just sharp as a tack. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy clearly had it together up until almost the very end. But he kept saying, well, and I wanted to do some things for your fine network, but of course I'm still on the payroll at CBS, and so that's unfortunate. <laughs> so clearly Les Moonves was just shoveling money at him to keep him at home, uh, you know, without him actually uh, doing anything. But he was, uh, that was a guy that up until the uh, up until just the, the last, I don't know, year or so, it seemed like he was always making public appearances or at least was was seen on camera a lot and, and very clearly had his acumen uh, razor sharp up until just the last few months of his life. And here's someone extremely old who's still working. Here is a Mike Wallace. I admired him so damn much. He had done such a wonderful job at 60 Minutes, at, at uh, CBS. He, he just, he was a first-rate reporter. Is there some reason why I think that Mike Wallace is probably an ass? Has he done something uh, specific that I'm thinking of? Well, he has put a lot of people on the spot in the past. I, it's not, see, but it's not just that. I'm not thinking of the 60 Minutes thing. See, that's, it's, that was my first thought because they were interviewing Mike Wallace this weekend. They had, you know, they, the, the cavalcade of news folks coming out and talking about Walter Cronkite. I admired him so damn much. He had done such a wonderful job at 60 Minutes. And see, there's he something. He just started that soundbite by himself. He didn't like. I didn't. I didn't touch that. It goes to Walter Cronkite. Yes. <laughs> Mike Wallace didn't care for the way I was speaking about him. But as they were rolling out, sort of the you know the the parade of anchors past, I was realizing that not only am I indifferent to most of them, but I actually actively dislike a lot of the people that they were bringing up to talk about Walter Cronkite, but for no readily apparent reason. So, you know, they had Katie Couric, who, as you pointed out, Katie Couric got like five seconds. And, and the thing is, she was talking about him. Being as he passed away, but her hairstyle was like from three months ago. Oh yeah, no, that's that's clearly that, something they had in the can already. Because um, her hair is much shorter now. Yeah, they, they. I mean, I don't know how you heard that Walter Cronkite uh, had passed away, but I was flipping around. I was looking for something or other. I was looking for The Simpsons or something. Well, I'm always online. It's regardless of whether we're here or not. I landed on something. It was like I, I think it was like KGW on Friday, and it would have been I don't know maybe six thirty something like that. Yeah. And it was that thing where you flip by and you hear the words, Cronkite came to define a style of journalism. That would be, and immediately the little red flag started going off in your head. And then you start listening for the tense in which they are speaking. You keep waiting to hear if they're going to go, and was a reporter up you know, for CBS. And you think to yourself, oh, God, this is, I wonder, if, I wonder if this is it. And then Larry King had the night off. I'm glad John King was on instead of like Ryan Seacrest. John King did a great job, and he gets Larry King on the phone. I got about 10 minutes. I'm, I'm with, my, <laughs> with my kids at some taffy pole somewhere. <laughs> the Cialis is supposed to kick in at 5 p.m., but the one so I got to go. Larry King takes a night, the night off. He regrets it. I want to well, be there. Well, right that's now. like us. We've, how, the last three weeks, all during the Michael Jackson thing, what do we kept saying? We kept saying that Walter Cronkite was going to die sometime within the Jackson hype window, and he just missed it. But, of course, it was, you know, it's never while we're here. It's always when we've gone home, which doesn't make any sense at all. And we were doing the uh, the midday show. It seemed like people were dying constantly in the middle of the day. Nobody dies in the morning. No. Apparently, everybody dies at noon or somewhat uh, afternoon. But I waited for them to say something in the past tense. And then as soon as they did, I was like, oh, that's it. Okay, Walter, you know, Walter Cronkite died. 
And then I flipped over to CNN, and it was like immediately they had this massive produced piece that they rolled out that was like 40 and, minutes long. Uh, CNN had more of a tribute than CBS did. Yeah, yeah. And I would also note, by the way, that CNN had more CBS employees speaking on than CBS I know, did. I noticed that too. So, but they had Katie Couric come on, and of course my first thought was that, ah, goddamn Katie Couric, what else is on? And I, and I realized that Katie Couric's never really done anything to me. As but such, you just dislike her for some reason. There's just some. I have some sort of instinctive me. disdain for her. I mean, not like I mean, I don't, I don't hate her. I don't loathe her. But she, you know what, Katie Couric is. Katie Couric is like, Katie Couric is like some sort of like a low grade rash. Like maybe the kind you get when you have clothing that's too tight and it's hot outside. Is that what it says on the one sheet? You know, sales department. <laughs> Katie Couric will give you a low grade rash. But, you know, I mean, not like Poison I mean, she Oak. Does, she doesn't bother me. I mean, she hasn't done anything noteworthy. She, it's not like a, it's not like some sort of a, a rash that indicates something fatal. It's just, again, where you have like a chafing maybe because you've been sweating a lot. Same thing with Mike Wallace. When Mike Wallace speaks, I just get kind of annoyed at him. And it's not because he used to shove a camera at people in 60 Minutes. It's just something about him as a person. Final thing, also Dan Rather. They, but, you know, Dan Rather, who, by the way, did not speak on camera nor on microphone. He had like a written statement he put out. Uh, because I think he's, uh, I think Dan Rather feels that maybe his time on camera ended badly. So Dan Rather put out some statement, and immediately I was ah, stupid Dan Rather, what else is on? So I realized that I had some sort of a weird reaction, but I think it's just because compared to Walter Cronkite, you can't help but look like a stooge. I mean, because there really is only one Walter. It is in his shadow with the we all uh, that we all dwell. And Katie Couric said... She, it's like she's the only one working in the building. Is there anybody else here except for her reading <laughs> off a teleprompter? It seems so empty. She's doing it from coin. Even though it's an attractive desk and all, and her hair looks fine, I don't see what else is going on there. That's right. You were correct in noting that it was that, that was filmed a long time ago, though. Uh, still to come today, we have a premiere of the brand new Pearl Jam single, the brand new song from Pearl Jam, The Fixer, will be coming up sometime this morning. So be listening for that brand new Pearl Jam. Also, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. We'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum about the uh, legacy of Walter Cronkite. We have a Geek Watch coming up today, Hick Watch coming up today, and tickets to Crew Fest 2, along with a reissue of Dr. Feelgood. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. Don't go anywhere. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUF. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Whose eyeballs am I going to pick out? On Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101, Coming up next hour, ladies and gentlemen, the premiere of the brand new Pearl Jam single, The Fixer. It comes up next hour, brand new Pearl Jam on Rock 101 KUFO. Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio, uh, New York City, will join us later on to talk about uh, Walter Cronkite, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian to talk uh, weekend box office. You saw Harry Potter this weekend. Fantastic. Oh, so now we've all seen it. So yes. you the and you so you share the general assessment, which is that it certainly it is uh, it's the best of the series so far, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I got to see the trailer of the boat going over the White House Dude, with the lights on. How awesome is that? How fantastic is that trailer for 2012? I can't wait. It's and it was better than the Harry Potter movie, almost. <laughs> you should make sure to tell that to everybody. Well, I'm really just going for that uh, Roland Emmerich trailer. That's the only reason I'm attending this film. 
the they had me when it said from the director of Independence Day. I, at that point, I was just predisposed to like whatever it was. As soon as though they show that the USSS S John F Kennedy or whatever the hell, because it's not a regular uh, aircraft carrier, it's, it's some super. It's like a it's Noah's like Ark like, type of thing, like village boat. Yeah, it's like right. a, yeah, it's, it's one a of, Noah's Ark for people. It's one of those things from the cover of the first Boston album, but it's uh, mm-hmm. but it's not so much shooting off into space as it is crashing into the White House. I sort of. When we saw the trailer the first time, and you can see this online, by the way, I really ought to, uh, I ought to put this trailer on my website. Maybe I'll do that this morning. But it's the trailer for the new Roland Emmerich film, 2012, and he's the guy that did Independence Day, and then he did The Day After Tomorrow. But there is this sequence in the trailer, and I'm not giving anything away here. If you go to the movies, if you see this online, this is this is in the preview. I mean, he gets better at obliterating America at every attempt he makes. He really <laughs> is the Irwin Allen of a new generation. That's uh, There's just no getting around that. Irwin Allen was this guy who in the 70s became very famous for making disaster films. And they all just had names like Earthquake and Flawed, Toads. And I think he also made The Towering Inferno, but I could be wrong about that. And TV that. shows like, like The Time Tunnel, right. which were great. And uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. You can watch those on Hulu. And anything that just had, anything that had nature going awry or amok or had something awful happening to a disparate group of survivors who had to band together to get the hell out of this place, that was Irwin Allen. He also did the, the original Poseidon Adventure, I believe. This is like Irwin Allen. It's it's like he's on crack or something and reincarnated as Roland Emmerich. So there is this moment at the end of the trailer for 2012 and I think the whole deal with 2012 is that according to the Mayan calendar, that's when the world is supposed to end. I only know this, by the way, because my wife is going to be going to... I swear to God, I'm not making this up. We were just talking about this this weekend. My wife has this shirt that has the Mayan calendar on it that she bought when she was traveling somewhere. And she made this offhand reference that in 2012, she and a friend of hers are going to be in Guatemala. Because her friend is um, her friend is Guatemalan and they follow the, the Mayan calendar. Anyway, so there's this whole deal that that's when the planet's going to, you know, it's going to obliterate itself. And I said, well... You know, if it's if the world is going to end, baby, don't you, don't you want to be here with me? And she goes, well, I guess, but I mean, I can be with you anytime. This is the end of the world. She'll send you a postcard. Yeah. <laughs> said, uh, well, all right. So anyway, so that's when the world ends, according to the Mayan calendar. And that's the premise for this film, where it just shows ravines opening up and mountains falling over and glaciers exploding. And then at the end of the trailer, for no readily apparent reason, for reasons that are murky at best, there is this massive wave Sort of like the like in the trailer for a Perfect Storm, and you just you see this aircraft carrier tipping over, and then the shot pulls back, and you realize it's tipping over into the White House, which and, still has the lights on, even though everything else is obliterated. <laughs> which, How do the lights stay on? Which everyone missed somehow when we saw it at, at Harry Potter, and you could hear Don Taylor's laughter ringing throughout the entire building, like some sort of a clarion call at that trailer. But I made the observation then, which I will recycle now, that that trailer was sort of like the. Um, it's like the turducken uh, of, of movie previews because it's just a whole bunch of things smashed together. It was like they wanted the White House sequence from Independence Day mixed with that thing from A Perfect Storm, mixed with all that stuff from uh, from The Day After Tomorrow, mixed with a lot of Bill Pullman-type sequences from Independence Day where he's looking up and he's sort of jutting his chin at the camera and then he says, my God, and then they cut to something else altogether different. It's like, Betty, will there be worldwide uh, pandemonium? Yes, Mr. President, there will be. Uh, all right. Uh, what headlines are we uh, following on this uh, Monday morning, Tim Riley? Well, the battle over the custody of Michael Jackson's kids enters a new chapter after the dermatologist will offer proof he's the sperm man. A uh, man is stabbed in the head with scissors after two Staples employees get into a fight. David Bowie reissues Space Oddity. 
the cash in. Wait, uh, I thought the dermatologist says that to the best of his knowledge. Well, I guess we should have no, figured it out that right was last then. week. Wait, yes. so the, first, now he's claiming the kids. So to the best of his knowledge. To the British he, tabloids he is. So it must be true. How do you go from in the space of a week, from in the, to quote, the best of your knowledge, not thinking uh, that you impregnated Michael Jackson's other, uh, to then thinking that it is you? I mean, what, what, what does he know now that he didn't know last week? He that knows he, he now has a publicist. That he, <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's vying with Paula Abdul to get media attention. Oh, man. His feelings are hurt for some reason, like we're supposed to care. No, I just... Here's, <laughs> I looked for audio from Paula Abdul all weekend. I mean, maybe all weekend is overstating it a bit. I mean, perhaps perhaps five or six minutes spread over a couple of days when I wasn't uh, when I wasn't doing anything else. When I was waiting for uh, when I was waiting, uh, you know, for like my microwave uh, sandwich to be done so I could continue watching True Blood, which I power loaded. I plowed my way all through the rest of season one, and I am now nearly done with uh, with episode two. Season two. Last night was episode five, which means I got like two hours of watching, two maybe three hours of watching, and then I'm going to be caught up, and then I will be abs- I will be in step with all other Americans. But boy, God, that show never gets any better. It just gets worse and worse, just with every moment that you watch. It's, oh, it's amazing! It's like you're watching a person decay into dust in front of you, but it's not even—it's not so much a person as it is quality. And I think as soon as Alan Ball figured out that show was a hit, they decided. I think they must have had some meeting, uh, all the True Blood production staff, and they must have said, uh, look, this show isn't very good, um, but clearly people don't care. So what we're going to start doing, we're going to start sleeping in really late. And also those rehearsals we used to have, we're not going to have those anymore. And uh, remember how you used to write two, three, four drafts of a script and then poly- No, first draft, done, print. Also, uh, we're not really going to have a director. We're just going to point the camera at things. And then every now and again, we'll show uh, Anna Paquin's breasts, and that'll be good. And that should carry us through uh, two or three more seasons. Oh, my God. Or or just, and I I don't have time to do all my uh, true blood notes here, but it's not even that he says Sookie. It's that there's that sequence at the end. This is going to be a spoiler for season one. So if you do not want to know how season one, like you care. I mean, if you're, there's no... You want to talk about an anticlimax? That enti- that entire first season, it was just a big, it was just a big punch in the bore, is what that was. Oh, the, I loved it. I loved the, every second of it. I'm you know, the murderer, it. the murderer is a second string character you don't really care about. Back up! It, like I was supposed. I to- actually loved him. I was. I did like him. He wasn't in it a lot, though. You know, you you know who that guy is. Um, that guy is a Benicio del Toro, but uh, shorter, less attractive, and less interesting. Whoever that actor is, the guy that plays spoiler lol. Renee or Drew, the what kind of a secret mystery name is Drew? By the way, so this guy that they it's reveal a crazy at the, named George, they, they reveal him at the end of season one as being the killer. And that it, fight's pretty gnarly though in the graveyard. I suppose, but I think I actually yawned. I think I actually literally went oh, and then sort of walked off to get myself some snack chips out of the cupboard. Here's the great the great thing that made it all worthwhile though at the end of uh, the the, the Season one finale for True Blood. There's this sequence where Anna Paquin is in the graveyard, and on the one hand, there's the bartender guy who also can turn into a collie, Sam, or something. Yeah, he turns into Lassie, and so he's a he's, shifter. <laughs> you have to quit taking the show so seriously. Uh, the seriously, because otherwise you're gonna be you're gonna be like dressing in a wizard cloak uh, one of these days. I don't mind. So she's in the graveyard, and bartender guy is coming to uh, is coming to rescue her, and. 
the uh, like fourth guy from the left who turns out to be the murderer. He's attempting uh, uh, to find her, and then he's coming after her with a shovel or something. And meanwhile, Bill, who is the vampire, who is sleeping in the ground, because, you know, vampire, he decides he has to save the woman he loves. So there's this long, hilarious, and inadvertently so, uh, by the way. It is really dumb. <laughs> there is this hilarious sequence, because it's like the brightest day of the year. It's like June, it's like the solstice, June 21st, and there's no cloud cover anywhere in Bon Tom, uh, it, it, Georgia, or whatever the hell they are, Louisiana. So there's this sequence where Bill the vampire is walking through the graveyard in the sun to come rescue her. But of course he's a vampire, so he's slowly catching on fire as he wanders. And he can't run because what with the burning and all his energy is being depleted. So he basically, he's like he's like a stuntman from every bad um, Jean-Claude Van Damme film you've ever seen where he's on fire and then just sort of walking through. And by the time he reaches her to rescue her, he, in fact, has been entirely consumed by flame, has been burned to a crisp, and looks like he's in one of those traffic safety films they show you in high school where they show, you know, this man was trapped in a car. Look how his hands are melted to the steering wheel. That's what the vampire looks like. And then just as she runs and she, you know, she sees, oh, oh, look, the vampire came to save me. Oh, look, he caught on fire because of the sun. He Somebody does that thing where he says her name, but he's all burnt, and he goes, Thucky, <laughs> and it's, and I swear to God, God help me, I laughed. And I know it's supposed to be tragic, but as soon as he said Thucky, because he has no lips, no lips because talking. they've been burned away in the sun. My God, that show is amazing. The more you talk about it, the more I love it. That was like my alcoholic's moment of clarity when you find yourself pulling dried vomit out of your beard and you realize I have a problem. That was when I realized that show is just irredeemably bad and it's never going to get any better. And then I fired up season two and I started watching that show. There you go. I had the rest of these notes. Um, we'll get to those later on. All right. Straight ahead, we have uh, the... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Tim had an expression on his face as though he was about to weigh in. But I, we'll do this because... Uh... No, no I, I know it's time to move along. Well, only because I want to make sure we don't get behind. In the next hour, we have uh, the brand new Pearl Jam single. Brand new music from Pearl Jam, The Fixer, is the name of the single. It's coming up next hour. Also, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum about the 40th anniversary of the moon landing. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian and more. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. Stay there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO. Portland. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Coming up this hour, brand new music from Pearl Jam. It's called The Fixer. That is on the way this hour. New Pearl Jam. Also, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Join us to talk about the uh, life, legacy, and passing of one Mr. Uh, Walter Cronkite. Kind of name? What kind of name is Cronkite? What kind of name is Cronkite? Dutch. Is it Dutch? Dutch. All right. So, and it was. It was exact, I guess I didn't. I don't know why I thought it would be fake. I guess you just sort of assume. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, Larry King's real name is whatever, and everybody sort of. A lot of people augment their names when they get into show business. But Cronkite's kind of a great name. And here's the thing: you live your whole life, you've never met another person named Cronkite, which is odd. I mean, you sort of imagine that no matter how no matter how strange the name is, you run into five or six dozen other people in your life that share it. But really, literally and figuratively, only one Walter Cronkite. So, And CNN, they actually gave over an entire hour to it, which I was impressed with. Wasn't Anderson Cooper actually gone, though? Wasn't he on vacation as well? Yeah, he, he was probably in some jungle somewhere with Ian wearing some tight T-shirt. They always send him to places like that. Now, now cut to Anderson Cooper, who is sweating through a microfiber T-shirt as we speak. 
uh, and so forth. Coming up later on, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, Hick Watch coming up today. Tickets to see Crew Fest 2 sometime before the end of the uh, show. When you hear Motley Crew today, just be caller number 10. When you hear Motley Crew, and that's like an, you know, that's, we're playing a Motley Crew song. It's not like if you hear it in a commercial or something. Hear a Motley Crew song sometime before 9 a.m. If you call her 10 at that point, uh, you win yourself a pair of tickets to see Crew Fest 2, which is next Tuesday. Uh, you also get the uh, remaster of Dr. Feelgood, the 20th anniversary. They're going to be performing that in its entirety. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 606. It's going to be close to 100 degrees by the end of the week. 90s all week. The Portland metro area is under a fire weather watch. That begins later this morning. A boat full of teenagers sinks, but they're all okay. We're going to see lots of stories like this because it is summertime. A group of teenagers out on a pleasant outing with a church group had to paddle to safety after their boat sank in the Columbia. The uh, boats got harder to the boat they were in got harder to steer, and then the water started flowing in like a fire hose. Well, it wasn't long before the boat sank. The nine teens. Luckily, they were all wearing life jackets, and they all had to swim to shore, but they're fine. We should take a moment to note that, boy, it was hot on uh, Friday. Friday was the day it was 94 or something? Yes. So uh, it was, that, was, uh, that was one of those days where you realize that thing they say about how the hottest point of the day is not actually noon. The hottest point of the day is 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. 5 p.m. is as hot as it's going to get because I was at home, and I walked, you know, went to take the, you know, the, uh, to take, uh, uh, the dogs outside. And it's the thing where you open the door, and it's kind of a... And it's sort of like you've just stepped under the surface of the sun, and so I guess today it's gonna out, it's gonna strip that by at least seven or eight uh, additional degrees. So yes. that'll be a lot of fun. Hey, we should give it up for the heat actually being fixed in here. By the way, that Yay. the heat pump is functional again. Yay! So on Friday at one point it was ninety one degrees in this studio, and that was at around seven thirty in the morning. So uh, Lord, that was miserable. I'd like to thank whoever uh, came in and fixed it. Whoever made whatever call had to be made to get that taken care of. The uh, Rick Emerson Show appreciates your support. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a dance for gang members went badly over the weekend. This happened in uh, northeast Portland. Officials of the police and gang enforcement team say they entered a dance at 300 Northeast Multnomah Boulevard to break up a fight at 1245 in the morning. And then shots were fired outside. They came from a parking lot at MLK and Hazelow Street. The victim was transported to the hospital after the incident and is expected to recover. Nobody is arrested, and they're planning on having more dances for ga- for uh, gang members. Well, you know, dances for gang members really only work out well if John Aston is there to break up the mm-hmm. Demand is forcing an Intel plant in Hillsborough to reschedule its closing. The FAB 20 plant employs nearly 1,000 people. It was supposed to close, but product demand has caused Intel to keep the plant open at least until June 2010. All the workers at the plant were expected to be offered positions at other factories, but will be kept on the payroll at least till next year. Officials with the company say they reserve the right to reschedule the closing of the plant if demand changes again. I, oh, demand. Demand. So, no, see, for, you thought I said the man? I thought you said the man. Oh, at the, the beginning, man. I was like, why does the man keep uh, the, the care of Intel? <laughs> there or not. The, what business the is it of the care. man's? The man does care. They pay a lot of taxes. I, I suppose. Well, that, that's. I thought you were. Employees. I thought you were sort of saying that the man just refused to allow it. You know what I mean? Like, no. you know, Intel tried to close the man. Said, I won't have it. You will stay there and you will continue to produce 8080 chips until the end of time. Well, I'm glad they are because they're all my neighbors. And by the way, somebody has sent me. Uh, this is what purports to be the entire Wikipedia entry uh, for Willie Tyler of Willie Tyler and Lester. And see, here's the thing. When I talk about Willie Tyler and Lester, who are this ventriloquist act from the 70s and the 80s, that's the way I hear it in my head, which means that must be the way that one of the network TV guys 
used to announce it on Saturday mornings, and I do I do think it was Saturday morning. So it, it, way back when there was Charlie uh, Charlie McCarthy, and Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy with this ventriloquist act on the radio, and then there is you know, and then there's then there's Joe Bluth and Franklin. In between the two, however, there was Willie Tyler and Lester in my childhood, and as I predicted, Greg knows who I'm talking about, and uh, you guys don't. So it is a very specific thing. Anyway, the point is, it's going to be at the Schnookwins Casino. And Sneathan sent me a text about it. He's like, Willie Tyler and Lester, Shinoquins Casino, you must have him on. Says here, Willie Tyler, uh, born September 8, 1940, an American uh, ventriloquist, comedian, actor. Most of the time, he's credited as Willie Tyler and Lester. He's appeared in many uh, television commercials. He got his first big break on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, etc. He has had had roles in such, such programs as The Parenthood, Pacific Blue, The White Shadow, and The Jeffersons. So that tells you uh, generationally and demographically where that guy is uh, coming from. And also, he used to be on Soul Train all the time, if I remember correctly. It was like, what's his name would say? Get on board the Soul Train. Tonight, we have Roberta Flack, Willie Tyler, and Lester. And then, like, somebody else. All right, well, in any of it. Let's do uh, one more here, and then we will uh, get caught up around the corner. So uh, let's talk to uh, more people about Walter Cronkite. This time, it's Barbara Walters. I think the sad thing about Walter was that he uh, he left broadcasting too soon, and I think I think he regretted it. Depending on what version you believe, he wanted to spend more time with his family, and the other version is they told him to get out. <laughs> so this and uh, that depends, by the way, on what uh, what network, network you, you were watching. watching. Uh, depending on the network where you saw your uh, your Cronkite coverage. Mm-hmm. He either would have stayed until the end of time if only they hadn't forcibly shoved him out the door, or he was ready to go home and be a good family man, and he felt like one newsman's time was drawing to a close. You be the judge. That's right. All right. It is uh, 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101, ladies and uh, gentlefolk. All right, so without further ado, we have the brand-new single from Pearl Jam. Uh, this is from their upcoming album, Backspacer. Uh, and by the way, they are um, they are going to be... Uh, so obviously, this is going to be the full record coming out. Um, this is called The Fixer. It is the first single from the upcoming Pearl Jam album, Backspacer. Once again, Pearl Jam's The Fixer, right here, ladies and gentlemen, on the Rick Emerson Radio Show on Rock 101, KUFO. Broadcasting in standard definition. If you don't have a place where you can hold these people, you only have other options to kill them. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. You can also text, if you like, at 52051, anytime, day or night. Coming up later on this hour, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum weighs in on uh, the life and legacy of Walter Cronkite. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will give us the weekend box office wrap-up. Uh, Geek Watch on the way later on. Also, uh, at some point today, be listening for Motley Crue. At some point before uh, the end of today's show, before 9 a.m., be playing a Motley Crue song. When you hear it, you be caller 10 at 503-228-4101. When you hear that Motley Crue song sometime this show uh, before 9 a.m. And uh, you'll win a pair of passes to see uh, Crew Fest 2, a pair of tickets to Crew Fest 2, as well as um, a copy of the remastered, reissued 20th anniversary Dr. Feelgood. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 623. It's going to be close to 100 degrees by the end of the week. 90s before that. 
The Portland Metro is under a fire weather watch beginning later this morning. The National Weather Service said the advisory will continue until an unspecific time tonight. Warm temperatures mixed with low humidity make for ideal fire conditions. And that goes for all of you throwing those lit cigarette butts out the windows of your pickup trucks. An 81-year-old has broken the NASCAR age record at PIR. Herschel McGriff finished... Herschel McGriff. Mm -hmm. Herschel McGriff. I'm Herschel McGriff. The record I broke. He finished 13th and admitted his competition was faster than he was, but at least he tried. <laughs> I think I am losing Herschel that McGriff. Of... <laughs> Herschel McGriff. Wow. The legend of Herschel McGriff. Driving the legendary Vlasic car. Now, although he didn't win this one, Mr. McGriff, whose career goes back to driving the family car at Portland Speedway in 1945. The family car. The family car. The family car. Won four NASCAR victories in 1954. Deportations of illegal aliens in the Northwest jumped 10%. Those with criminal records make up the bulk of the 8,000 kicked out. The Obama administration, long, well, they say they're liberal, but apparently they're not. The Obamas are cracking down and throwing them all out. Why shouldn't you have to pay for your own rescue if you're careless? A Massachusetts teenager who spent three nights alone on Mount Washington in New Hampshire after he sprained his ankle because he veered off a marked trail. Did he go off the path? He certainly did. And now he's being fined $25,000 for the cost of his rescue. And they ought to have that ankle taken away, too, so that he can't use it anymore. Clearly, he shouldn't be trusted with it. They determined this Massachusetts boy was negligent because he twisted his ankle and instead of coming down, he climbed further up the mountain. <laughs> Someone's got his directions a little skewed. Uh -huh. So several states, including Maine and Vermont, have these laws that fine you if they have to come out and rescue you. In Washington State, a bill that would have created a reimbursement system with fines capped at $500 never made it last year. It's because Washington's ruled by a bunch of liberals. That's right, Tim. It's socialism. Hey, let me ask you this. Speaking of, uh, of socialism, it's spreading the wealth around and so forth. Yes. So Laura and I were in Seattle. Uh, it, okay. In fact, this I can actually tie this into what I'm wearing today. So I am wearing today a uh, I'm wearing a shirt uh, yeah, that I like has that shirt. yeah this is a, I got this in Seattle. This is, I it's asked a, about that shirt. It is a uh, it's a T-shirt that just has the record label from uh, Sun Records, which was the the legendary record label that it, Chicken in the Sun. That's that gave us Elvis, gave us Jerry Lee Lewis, gave us Johnny Cash, gave us Carl Perkins. So Sam Phillips was the guy who started this record label and blah blah blah, huge you know forefather of rock and roll, whatever. Anyway, so I was at the uh, the Buffalo Exchange. In and you know it was a fine place. I don't mean I don't mean to pick on them, uh, but I was th there at their location in Seattle, and I saw this shirt, which was like I don't know, dirt cheap. It was like six dollars or something. So it's not like it to break the bank one way or the other. But I find this shirt, and it, you know, amazingly enough, it fits me. And I'm like, you know, it's six bucks. I'm like, awesome. I'm gonna go buy this. And I go up to the front, and I'm you know kind of waiting for Laura to do whatever she's doing. And I said, I'll take this. I'll take this fine shirt, please. And she said, okay, that'll be uh, six seventy two. And I said, oh, oh, no sales tax for me, young lady. I'm an Oregonian, and I'm reaching for my, uh, you know, which, which, oh, God. which, like, and I don't for even. 27 cents, really? 72 cents. It, not... it is the principle behind <laughs> it. I, it. It is, honestly. I do the same. We thing. have freedom here. They don't. That's right. And, you know, and speaking of freedom, what they're not going to get is my is free money. If they want my money, they have to work for it. Uh, so I'm not just going to hand over the better for whatever. I'm turning into Chris Rock's dad. Mm -hmm. That's 72 cent worth of shirt. Uh, the. But I'm just not going to hand over the better part of a buck to them if I can avoid it by taking out my uh, my driver's license. So I said, No, no, no. I'm uh, I'm from Oregon. I won't uh, I won't be paying your sales tax, you silly girl. And as I'm reaching for my driver's license, she goes, she goes, uh, Yeah, we don't honor that. And I and I said, 
Well, no, no, no. I mean, I'm from. I have ID. You know, I'm from. I don't live here. I'm. Uh, I'm not one of uh, you. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm an Oregon resident. So as such, I'm exempt from the. And I'm immediately sort of trying to you know justify it. To my, and she goes, No, no, no. We don't. Uh, we don't do the sales tax thing here. And she called over a manager, and a manager told me that they didn't do it either. And the manager's explanation was that because they buy stuff sometimes, although never from me, incidentally, because all my clothing is apparently. Here's the thing. I got a wardrobe that is like half outfitted from that place, and yet they never want to buy anything uh, that, I, that I'm looking to sell, which now that I say it out loud, it doesn't even make any sense. I mean, clearly, if I'm buying the bulk of my T-shirts there, doesn't it seem like the bulk of my T-shirts ought to be able to be resold to them? I would think doesn't so, Doesn't that yeah. just stand to reason? That's the logical outcome. Mm-hmm. Well, in any event, she says that because they buy clothing, they do not have to honor uh, the no sales tax thing. Have you ever heard of such a thing, Tim Riley? No, I have not. All right. See, but I, was... I don't do a lot of shopping in Washington State. I do when I go to Bremerton. I was told that you could pick and choose whether or not like stores wanted to actually do sales tax. Because I went to Forever 21 in Bremerton, and I talked to the manager, and she's like, our store chooses not to. No, but see, that's... Not to honor it. That is crap. And here's how I know it's... When have you ever heard of the government giving somebody an option regarding taxes? I don't know. I mean, that just seems illogical, right? Yeah. I mean, and plus, wouldn't... Well, let me ask you this. What benefit would there be to the store to have said option? It would keep customers happy. I, but I mean... Yeah, because it kept me very unhappy. So, I, but, but if the store is charging... Well, it doesn't make any sense, though, because if this, why would anybody... If the store had the option of either charging you sales tax or not, mm-hmm. would it be? Does it does it affect the store financially one way or the other? In other words, that money's a going to the, bit. the government, but the money's going to the government anyway. Yeah. Although you would think it might might discourage purchases to some degree, probably not a whole lot. But I mean, it might. Uh, you know, if it was. In other words, if, That's it, true. if it doesn't directly impact them, why did, why would they choose not to have it? And let's say you had two similar stores. You had uh, Tim's clothing store, Sarah's clothing store, right next to each other. Uh, if you had Tim's Clothing Store, which did not charge sales tax, Sarah's Clothing Store right next door has basically the same stuff, does charge sales tax. You would think that over time, a cumulative business loss would accrue to Sarah's store because she is charging a tax that Tim does not, meaning everything at Tim's place is slightly less expensive. So so it, it seems like there would be no motive for the store to do it. And it's more paperwork, right? Plus, if, you, if the store is, and that's the other thing, if the store is charging sales tax, then isn't that like, don't they have to, they have to keep sort of difficult records, I would imagine, right? I would imagine so, yes. And they can't just charge sales tax for some people. They would either have to charge it for everybody or not charge it for everybody. So it seems implausible to me that, that, is at the, that it's at the store's option of whether or not they can charge it. So maybe the person was just being rude to me. See, but I, you know, and I don't know. But, the, but I mean, see, she didn't seem very rude. She's just like, she just said that the store option not to do it. See, but I can't, but I can't imagine they would do that either because yeah. it's more difficult for the store to charge sales tax because it makes all the pricing a lot harder. Because what is the sales tax in Washington? Is it like 8.5% or yeah, something? Yeah, like 8.5%. 8.5. In other words, it's, but it's not like, it's not even a whole percentage. In other words, you're having to multiply a, a, a uh, portion of a cent on top of that. You know, your average, you know, some minimum wage again, a lot of people, pant folder doesn't know what, what the hell they're doing. There's a lot of paperwork, though, you know, when you are getting the tax exemption stuff. You know, they have to get out that book and hand copy down your, you know, your address, phone number, all that Is that stuff. true? I thought you just had to show them the ID. No, they have to take down all of your information. You have to sign a form. And yes. So if I want to it avoid It takes paying, a little while. So it's like, it's like buying ephedrine, uh, allegedly, if I, want to, uh, if I want to go and be buying uh, something with that sales tax. Really? Well, that's making it way too hard. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, all right, let me write this down. Sales tax. I'll get to the bottom of it. Don't, I'm not buying anything when I go to Seattle then. Yeah. That settles it. I'm just saying, normally the shirt... Carry in, carry out. $6, 
up to 672, Tim. And that's how it starts. That is the, uh, that's a, t- you know what it is? That's a 10% increase, actually, now that I think about it. Not going to do it. The shirt cost me 12% more. It's like a forced gratuity on parties of nine or more. All right. Well, anyway. I don't like it. No, neither do I, Tim. I say revolution now. Revolution always. It's 503-228-4101. We come back. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum about the life and legacy of Walter Cronkite. Before the end of today's show, we have a pair of tickets to see Crew Fest 2, plus more news from your personal savior, Tim Riley. It's all on the way. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. You stay there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. Available anytime, anywhere. Visit KUFO.com right now. I think that's overstating it, Tim. Nobody's a lady Ryan Seacrest. Is there a female Ryan Seacrest? Go. See, I, I can't don't think of anybody. I her anymore today. Here's the only person I can think of who might be. You don't want to pick on who, Tim? Someone we were speaking of earlier. You're talking about a colleague at CBS? Yes. All right. Here's the thing about... Uh, it's a, out of love, though. Here's the thing about Ryan Seacrest. I can't think of I can't think of anybody else, period, who's like him. Um, so I, I, the only person that I can think of who is almost a uh, female Ryan Seacrest, there's Oprah, but she so far outstrips him that there's really no comparison. Yeah. There's Ellen, who is sort of like Ryan Seacrest, and that Ellen has... Uh, the television show. Ellen does the big events. Like she does uh, most everything. The Oscars, yeah, and I think she's got, um, and I think she's got like some some radio program on some some satellite channel somewhere. But I, but they're really Ryan Seacrest is his uh, he's his own creation, Tim. And by his own, I mean the creation of the man. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Coming up next hour, uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent. I'm sorry, rather this hour we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum in mere moments. And uh, next hour, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will give us the lowdown on the weekend box office uh before the show is over a pair of tickets to see motley crew at crew fest 2 that is on the way what headlines are we following on this uh, monday morning tim well on this 40th anniversary of the moon landing the apollo 11 astronauts agree the moon is gray dusty and boring a bomb square square a bomb scare at a swank los angeles hotel forces the stars into the street and it's all about love fred durst Ties the knot over the weekend. The uh, the the bomb square. That's random. <laughs> bomb square is an exciting new shopping center in uh you know in in downtown. Insert Middle East country here for comic effect. All right, let's uh welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent uh, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm uh, I am fantastic. Is how I am. Let me ask you this: Did you notice the Katie Couric's hair? In that uh, Walter Cronkite tribute thing they were showing of her is much different than her hair today, implying that perhaps that was filmed some time ago. You know, that's a really good thing to point out. Yes, yes. it's uh, it's almost as done it was as though it was done on the same you know like soundstage where NASA faked the uh, the Apollo moon landing. You know what I mean? That they had her in a room somewhere about four, five, six months ago, saying, "Look, uh, at some point, many, many years from now, I mean, Walter Cronkite is probably going to pass away." So, you could after just... he was paid a million dollars a year for the first ten years after he left. Is that true? So he retired in 81, so from 81 to 91, and they paid him a million dollars to do nothing? Yeah. He was like one of those farmers we used to pay to not grow wheat. Mm-hmm. God <laughs> almighty. Anyway, but I'm just saying, if you look at the Walter Cronkite stuff, where they, they, they were rolling out like everybody who ever passed him in a hallway, 
And Katie Couric, who, you know, filled the chair left by Cronkite via Dan Rather, had this to say. And then they get to Katie Couric, who's like an echinoscope from 1915, uh, talking about Cronkite. So I don't know when that was filmed. That was not any time this month. And though. it's weird. They didn't buy a new chair since he left. It's, <laughs> it's like here, really. I wonder if it actually, except the chairs at the uh, CBS News desk probably work um, in any event. Well, don't I count on that, actually. <laughs> The day's not over, I suppose. As the, um, I don't know, as you know, as as a guy who's worked in news, you know, for a long time, and you yourself work at, uh, you know, the nation's premier news gathering and disseminating organization. Uh, how big a shadow does Walter Cronkite cast? I mean, you know, he set the standard, and uh, he. I was watching a lot of the clips uh, of him over the weekend, and what's really interesting is, you know, he had to fill so much time compared to what today's TV anchors do. Because uh, very often he was just reading a script, and there was no video to go along with it. He was just telling America what happened that day. And, uh, you know, to keep America interested, to keep the viewer interested in what you're saying for a half an hour, you know, is not an easy thing to do. So... You know, the video helps, and to be able to do that without video, I think, is a really special thing. And especially when you consider the fact that he didn't have, as you said, there was no video, there was no Chiron, there wasn't a ticker scrolling underneath, uh, there wasn't like, some sort of picture-in-picture thing where you could see other headlines. It was just a guy at a desk, and and really just, except for that weird little, like, slideshow thing over their left shoulder that they used to do, there was really no other visual stimuli in the screen uh, to speak of. And when, and when there was video, it was actually from film, like real film, that had to be brought back to the studio or developed elsewhere and then rushed by courier to CBS. So you were very often seeing pictures that might be a day or two or three days old, even more in the case of something that may have taken place uh, far away around the world. Uh, so, you know, it, it really was, uh, you know, a, a real talent to tell the story the way he did back then and be able to keep the audience interested, I think. You know, it's uh, somebody once made another, it was the author Douglas Copeland who made this observation. He said that when you were reading Mad Magazine as a kid and you would go to that Spy versus Spy comic, and he said that you know, the first time you read Mad Magazine, you would just arbitrarily pick either the black spy or the white spy for, for really no reason, and then you would just uh, unfailingly root for that spy for the rest of your life. And I think it was sort of that way with network news at a certain time in our history, where you would just arbitrarily pick one of the three networks, and that's where you got your news, and that is where you got your news every single night, like forever. Uh, and in my household, it was it was CBS. And growing up, my dad, for whatever reason, just latched onto CBS as his network of choice, uh, and that is what we watched every single evening, like through time immemorial, even up through Dan Rather, who my dad didn't really care for. It was like my dad's brand loyalty to CBS, God bless him, was stronger than his disdain for Dan Rather. And we just, you know, every single night, it was a direct pipeline into our house. And I probably spent more hours in the vicinity, virtually anyway, of Walter Cronkite. I mean, I'm kind of one of those, I'm one of those kids who was sort of raised by the television anyway, so maybe I'm a bad example. But I was, I spent more time with Walter Cronkite than probably many of the teachers uh, that I had growing up. Mm, yeah, and his word carried weight. Uh, do you remember uh, this uh, clip from him? Uh, although you, it, it, I'm not even sure if you were alive yet. Uh, 1968, when he said the Vietnam War uh, was no, was not winnable. It seems now more certain than ever that the bloody experience of Vietnam is to end in a stalemate. This summer's almost certain standoff will either end in real give and take negotiations or terrible escalation. 
You know, his word carried so much weight then that that was actually seen as a turning point in the war when he said that. Because Lyndon Johnson saw that, and there's this famous uh, this famous quote attributed to Lyndon Johnson, which may or may not be true. I, I choose to believe it is. Where LBJ saw him said that saw him say that, and, and uh, Johnson said, uh, "If I've lost Cronkite, I've lost Middle America." And he decided that that was like the, the you know the people were no longer with him. You got to wonder if that's the sort of thing that you could get away with saying now if you were Cronkite in a, in a purportedly. Uh, unbiased journalist, or if he would just be, if he would just be tarred and feathered for being, uh, you know, for uh, for being too opinionated. I'd be very surprised if a network anchor could get away with saying something like that today. And then there's, of course, you know, the the uh, famous clip of him uh, announcing uh, JFK's uh, death. I got that one lined up for you. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, two o'clock. Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. And then he, of course, uh, wiped away a tear, which was seen uh, as a, another uh, you know, important uh, point in, in news media history because uh, anchors never showed emotion. He did that clip, which I hadn't seen for probably, I don't know, three or four years, and then I saw it like a thousand times this weekend, is just amazing because he has, he has first of all, the camera hadn't warmed up yet, and you, you, you see the slide in the voiceover, and all of a sudden the, the camera warms up and it flicks on. Yeah, and it's, right. and he, you know, it's such a stark set, uh, even though it's sort of cluttered. It has that great sort of 60s, uh, you know, there's the, I think there's a 60s typewriter by the, like an Underwood or something, and then there's a lot of papers everywhere, and he's got these you know, horn rim glasses on, and he looks every inch, you know, the sort of, the sort of 60s newsman. But he does that thing of looking up at the clock, which is obviously just off camera, and he says, some 38 minutes ago. And then he does just this little tiny twitch of the head, and he kind of pulls his lips back a little bit, and you can tell he's trying to keep his composure. And he, as you said, he has the one tear that he wipes away. And it's just an amazing an amazing moment, all the more so because it's clearly not a contrivance. It's not, it's not a put-on or overly maudlin. Uh, it is, and so they, they kind of pressed him on that years later. I think Larry King or somebody said, like, do you regret uh, showing emotion during the JFK assassination when you were breaking the news? And Cronkite had this great, very even-handed response to it. He said that, he said, well, I don't think you would want somebody doing the news that had no sense of the gravity of the situation, which I think actually just sums it up perfectly. There's also this great clip that I had never seen, actually, until this weekend that my dad always used to talk about. And it was the moment, again, I'd always heard about it, but I'd never seen it. I never bothered to look it up. That moment where during the moon landing, which is kind of just break your brain when you grow up, you're yeah, born in 1890, and then there's a guy walking on the freaking moon. Um where Cronkite just takes off his glasses and he goes, "Man on the moon, wow," or something like that. Or he says, "Boy," and it was just, and it was just that one simple syllable and just the way he delivered it. I mean, it was just. Uh, yeah, he start he started laughing actually, yeah. and he had to throw it to somebody else because he just couldn't uh, mm. couldn't believe his eyes. All right, uh, is he? They're going to have some. Uh, uh, sort of a national. I mean, I guess we had a national tribute this weekend. But what is what's what's is there going to be some sort of a service or a funeral? What's the what's the deal? There's a private funeral at a church here uh, in New York. Then he'll be laid to rest next to his wife in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. And then they're planning a um, a larger public memorial that'll take place at some point at Lincoln Center. They should have uh, Walter Cronkite wherever his tombstone is. About a hundred yards away, they should give one about thirty percent of the size to Dan Rather, and it, it should be kind of it just sort of chips and falls apart after a while. And then a hundred yards away, they can give an even smaller one to Katie Couric that gets grown over with grass and that you uh, forget about after about six months. And there, there will have to be a sign behind Dan Rather's headstone, not on his headstone itself, but like just off to the left that says, "What's the frequency, Kenneth?" Exactly.
and somebody to point out, this font is incorrect. It didn't really exist when they made this headstone. All right, there you go. Thank you, Steve Kastenbaum. Take care. All right, there you go. It's 503 Straight ahead, we have news from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. We have a uh, hick watch coming up today. We have a story. About, do you have that dental story? Oh, it's a truly horrifying dental story. It's a uh, must. It's in West Texas. Oh, it's from Florida. You're going to like it. That's all ahead. Plus, Christy Turnquist talks box, uh, box office. Stay there. Back after this. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO, Portland. You're listening to Captain Billy's Super Sounds, the 70th weekend. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Uh, sometime this hour, sometime this hour, we're going to give away a pass for two to KUFO's premiere of Funny People, uh, the brand new movie from writer-director Judd Apatow, starring Adam Sandler, Seth Rogen, uh, Leslie Mann, Jonah Hill, Jason Schwartzman. Uh, the premiere is next Monday, July 27th from Columbia Pictures, rated R, 18 and older. Uh, but that's sometime. Looks it looks fantastic. Yeah. So that is uh, next, uh, I'm sorry, next Monday is the premiere, but uh, this hour is when we're giving away those passes at some point. A pair of uh, passes to KUFO's premiere of, of uh, Funny People sometime this hour, so be listening. Also, before the end of the show, uh, you'll hear us play a Motley Crue song. When you do, you'll be caller 10, and you win uh, yourself a pair of passes to Crew Fest 2, which comes up next Tuesday. Next Tuesday at Clark County Amphitheater. You'll also win a copy of the uh, reissued, remastered, re-released Dr. Feelgood uh, 20th Anniversary CD. That is uh, before the end of the show at 503 101. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be here at 720 to talk about weekend box office. At the news desk now, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 705. It's going to be close to 100 degrees by the end of the week. The Portland metro area will be put under a fire weather watch beginning later this morning. This advisory will continue to an unspecified time. Warm temperatures mixed with low humidity make for ideal fire conditions. Also, it says, drink plenty of water, and if you see old people walking around, tell them to get inside, but don't chase them. <laughs> okay. I've seen some weird weird things I saw uh, yesterday. People trying to keep cool in those, uh, those big play structures that fill up with air. They're about two stories high, and a hose attaches to them to fill with water, and kids climb oh, up. You mean like the inflatable the play castle things? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you can do that. I don't think the manufacturer would recommend that you fill those with water. Well, anyway, I, I saw the strangest thing. Was this in your neighborhood? Yes. I thought everybody in your neighborhood, I thought... It, no, remember, he's talked about the big blow-up play structures. He hates them. But yeah. I thought Central Air just kind of came with... That was just understood, that when one bought property in your neighborhood, you got a you know a cooling system that came with the house. Well, I, it's not good for the kids. If the kids want to play... So somebody set up one of these play structures across the street from their house mm-hmm. and ran a hose... Next to an extension cord, which were <laughs> duct taped down together in the middle of the street. Awesome. Yesterday. So it's just a matter of time before these kids get electrocuted. Uh, well, I think, mean, things were getting a little dull in your neighborhood a anyway. Hose duct tape <laughs> with an extension cord, both in the middle of the street. Did you, uh, is, that, is this the sound of a man who picked up the phone and called the Homeowners Association about no, that? No, I, I did not. It's their problem, really. I suppose that is true. I, 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 That's true if the children want to electrocute themselves. I can't legislate morality, now can I? Or intelligence, Tim. Well, parents don't really think these things through all the way. I think it's, look, and I, don't, and I don't have kids, so I don't know, but it seems like... You do raise it. You do raise a good point when you note that the kids aren't in the house, and that's probably not because the kids want to be outside playing. It's just because after a while, especially during the summer, 
you know, the parents are just so sick of seeing the kids all day, every single day without the sort of, you know, like school to lessen the burden by taking them away for 40 hours a week. Exactly. That the parents are just do anything to get them out of the house. And I say this because having grown up in Kennewick, where, I mean, it was, you know, the, the summertime, it was easily, you know, it was above 90 degrees for probably, you know, more than half the summer easily. And I remember just, and I wasn't, I'm not like the outdoor type anyway. Uh, and, and just, just said to my mom, like, look, I'll just sit in my room. You won't even know I'm here. I'll just look, I'll sit, I'll, I'll be under the bed if you like. I'll I did just, that very successfessfully most summers. How about, how about I just, uh, how about I just stash myself like in the wardrobe, like in the closet or something. I'll stay in there with a flashlight and a dictionary. Give me my 45s and my yeah. portable record player. <laughs> and I won't, I won't bother anyone. For the you, next 10 years. No, no, no. You've got to get fresh air. You know, there's, there's never a time there when there's never any fresh air to be had in no, your town. That's You're better off indoors. Exactly. A, the air's not fresh. It is in fact, filled with dust and radioactive weevils. Yes. And B, it's like 100 degrees. Even if the air was once fresh, it is no longer fresh. But what I did not know but now realize is that my mom was just sick to the teeth of me because she'd had six kids and hated her life and didn't want us around her any more than we had to be. Were you lucky number six? No, I was number five. Okay. So, uh, and so she would just have, and she'd boot us outside. And you walk outside, and it's like you can just feel your life force force being being sapped away. You're like a Sims this can't character of one. Good for me. No, no, it's no, it's not Tim. But well, in any event, all right. You know, and those big inflatable playset castle things that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's another one of those deals that they never had when I was a kid. But they figured out at a certain point that you, I mean, that you can saturate that parent market just like you can the pet market. With any number of vastly expensive, overpriced things, and parents will gladly pay. I remember uh, uh, our friend uh, uh, Dennis uh, Pittsburgher was here one day, and he was going through some catalog that his wife had given him because they got. They have the kids. Oh God, do they have two? Oh my God, I don't know. Boy, that I happened. She was knocked up again. No, do you, does this happen to you where you talk, you're talking about a remember. friend of yours and you can't remember how many kids they have? Yes. All the time. All right, hold on. Uh, quiz: Scott Daly, one or two? Two, I think. Two or three? Does he have three? No, no, no. I think he only has two. Two. All right. Uh, but occasionally you'll be talking about a friend and you forget how many kids they have. But so Dennis had at that point the one kid, but I think maybe they were expecting the second. And wife, his wife had found some catalog of sort of outdoor play structure type things, mm. you know, where you could, it was like a, like a, like a fort or whatever you build in the backyard for the kid. And I swear to God, the one, that she, the one that she had him looking at was $4,900. And I was thinking to myself, you know, that I really am in the wrong business. I mean, that is that is where it at where it's at because you can't saturate that market enough. Mm. All right. Well, in any event, here's Tim they, Riley. They give them old fashioned uh, slip and slide. That's right, Tim. Well, once you fall off the end of it, you skin your knees, you're all bloody, and you go back for more. And a tetherball. Let me play on a slip and slide. That's and one of the most dangerous toys ever created. And some lawn darts. Here's Tim Riley. That too. Uh, say, oh, unemployment for June. The figures have been released, and now we're not alone. Rhode Island. Is now in double-digit joblessness. It used to just be us in Michigan, remember? Now there are three of us, Oregon, Michigan, and Rhode Island. And South Carolina and Nevada are also keeping up to the 12% mark, too. High school male wrestlers wearing bras from bikini bathing suits to drum up car wash business in a fundraiser around Boise have been told to clean up their act. The wrestlers from Centennial High School in Meridian have used bikini tops in their car washes for the past three years as bikini-clad girls washed the cars across the street. Michelle Letourneau is the mother of a wrestler who said the boys wanted to better compete against the girls, and why not? The ploy to draw attention worked, but not entirely the way they wanted. The Meridian School District's Joe Yoakum says the caller was offended that the boys wearing the bikini tops were lifting them up as people drove by. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. So, 
they're uh, trying to do away with this. So there's a big argument going on whether or not boys should be able to lift up their tops That's in they're, Idaho. That's because they're pinheads, Tim. Not the wrestlers so much as uh, the uh, the town fathers. Oh, by the way, so uh, speaking of, of wrestling and sports and bikini tops and the lifting of same, mm-hmm. so somebody sent me an email just a few minutes ago. says, uh, Rick, I heard you mention, quote, an Aaron Andrews video. Please not to be explaining. Don't leave a brother in the dark. I haven't seen it. Uh, do you guys know who Aaron Andrews is? Mm-mm. Okay, Greg, Aaron Andrews. It's a big of thumbs course. up. Can we get to? <laughs> Isn't it, he one it, of the engineers? To get to? No, no, no. Nobody wants to see a video of uh, of any engineers, and I think the engineers would agree. It's like nobody's asking for some topless video of me. Erin um, Andrews is an anchor. She's a reporter on on uh, ESPN. And you may ask yourself, Rick Emerson, you don't seem like much of a sports aficionado or enthusiast. That's why do you know who Erin Andrews is? It's because Greg. Why? Oh, you don't need to be a sports fan to be a fan of Erin Andrews. Be a fan of uh, a fan of the female form is what you have to be. She's yeah, uh, she's an attractive she's an attractive woman. And and so, but of course, made I mean, even to me, made exponentially more hot by the fact that she's a sports anchor. And also, well, A, seems to know what she's talking about, and B, isn't sort of attractive in the way that they occasionally do with sometimes, I, I don't know, maybe handsome women that have been sort of glossed up for the television. I mean, there's the thing they do to guys, too, but I mean, in this case... Handsome women. Well, you know, but you know, they'll take women sometimes... Oh, she's are, really pretty. Yeah, but but you've seen that, where they take a woman who's maybe not not homely... But not gorgeous, but they'll give her uh, sort of enough makeup and enough, you know, they they blonde up her hair enough and they put an uplift gloss on her that she sort of looks passably attractive if you kind of squint a little bit. Tell her not to cuss like a sailor. Exactly. The, she but, uh, but she's oh. quite legitimately beautiful. Uh, so yeah, she is. Yeah, Aaron Andrews, pretty. who's a reporter for ESPN. Yeah, all you have to do is uh, go to Google and put in Aaron Andrews. That's E-R-I-N. So apparently, though, there is some oh, video is floating her? around, which I do not own. Incidentally, I do not have a copy of this. I, it's not in my possession. But apparently there's some video of her floating around that I swear to God they say was taken through a keyhole. And I don't know how that would be possible unless she was somehow in a noir film from 1938. You know, where like everything opens with a skeleton key or something. So, I, but that's what everybody has been uh, has like been talking about today. Video? You know the oh, that kind of well. Thing. I think she was changing or something. It was like some video where she was she had her she was changing from one outfit to another. So it says key. It was a keyhole or a peephole. But I mean, even if it was a peephole, that's like a thing in a door that only goes one way, right? I mean, that's like you can't look in through that oh. thing. So anyway, so the, so the big story sort of floating around the net today is that there's this quote keyhole or peephole, depending on which story you you read, video of Aaron Andrews from ESPN that is uh, out there on the Intertron. Now, I want to say that Rick Emerson does not have a copy of this video right now. I'd like to be able to comment on it from a journalistic point of view, but I it's not. Will someone just send him the video so that he'll I, stop? No, no, no. See, I, you're I saying that. I bet Dave Zinn will hand it to you as you're leaving the studio it's, after the program. It's not a thing that I'm asking for. I'm. Uh, it, it would. Uh, I am, of course, uh, wholly opposed uh, to the violation of Aaron Andrews' uh, privacy uh, this way, and I'd like for her lawyers to know that that I am not, in fact, in any way uh, asking for soliciting. Uh, or in fact, pleading, uh, you know, for a uh, for a copy of this. That's not a it's not a thing I'm doing. I can't help but if it just arrives, if uh, it just shows up in your inbox. You know, at which point, uh, you know, as a as an editorialist, I would I would be able to comment, Greg. Uh, yeah, I would say if if I mean not that we would ask for that, but if they were to send it to nibbler at kufo.com, I would 
not you, uh, you know for, for journalistic reasons. Well, you can't. Well, I look. You can't. Uh, you can't preemptively block someone uh, from sending you something. You, you. I mean, you would have to wait until the video arrived and then delete it. Yeah, frankly. there's it nothing would be I can do about to it. ignore it. Yeah, there's nothing you can do uh, prior to its arrival uh, to make sure that it doesn't show up in, in in your inbox. Walter Cronkite would never turn it down. No, and you do it in his memory. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> it, it is Walter's day, Tim. And what what better way uh, to hold his memory up to the warm glow of history than by uh, looking at this video of Aaron Andrews? Which I don't have yet. It's 503-228-4101. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. She'll wrap up the weekend box office for us. Later on, more news from Tim Riley. Uh, oh, we have these true blood notes to get to. Geek Watch and a horrifying dental story from Florida. You stay there. We're live from downtown Portland, Oregon. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. Available anytime, anywhere. It's too bad about your rocky insides where no man's seed can find purchase. (laughs) Visit KUFO.com right now. Downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. All right. I'm just, by the way, I'm just going to read this one uh, sentence here. It's about this Aaron Andrews tape. It says, someone recorded video through the, quote, peephole. Of her changing? Of ESPN sideline reporter Aaron Andrews' hotel room without her knowledge while naked. Uh, it says here at uh, the Detroit Free Press reporting this. So the video was uh, posted on the uh, internet, but has since been uh, since been removed. Uh, it is unknown the hotel or the date the video was taken. I don't get how you can take a video through a peephole unless if you reverse the peephole. But how would you? Well, I get, but you have to like drill the. How would you even do that though? If you pay off a peephole man who's wandering the hallway. <laughs> so doesn't it seem like there's a something something peephole or strange? There's something, there's a joke there somewhere. There's no. some sort of a pun with people that I can't... There I seems can't, to be something there. I can't, I, can't, I can't wait. I can't wait until that joke actually works, and then I'll be able to tell it again and be real happy. Uh, it's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Oregonian pop culture reporter, Christy Turnquist. Hello, how are you today? I'm just fine. How are you? I bet you're looking very tropical. She does oh. look quite tropical today. Well, you know, it's been sunny. I've been trying to sort of get into the spirit of the thing. I'm trying to embrace, uh, I'm trying to embrace somebody. You seem kind of like an indoor uh, girl. <laughs> You, you do. You, That's I, a creepy phrase. Yeah. Are you an indoor girl? I'm just saying. I, I, I'm just saying. It doesn't. You know. It's like Sarah, for example, spent. Wait, were you camping or something? No, I went to um, the river in uh, up near Washougal in Washington. I went to a swimming hole. All right, it was so like waterfalls and everything. Oh, swimming hole, and then like Greg was camping, and I don't know, peeing outside or something. And I just. And these are not things that I. You know what? I'm at home. Uh, you know, I'm at home with my many, many, many uh, channels of cable television the and my, scare me. my high speed internet connection. That's that's exactly there are criminals it. in the woods. That's, that's I was right. watching that's some right, DVDs. Tim. Let's see, I I did get out in my backyard. See, that's, there's no waterfalls. But you and, uh, you and I are uh, you and I are much the same, Christy Turnquist. Yeah. That was that was my thing. So I'm now uh, one episode away from being done with Eastbound and Down, the first season, and I am nearly caught up with the rest of the country uh, as regards True Blood. So I got that done, and you know what? And here's 
just in case you needed more evidence that I'm unbelievably boring, uh, I managed to move uh, 30 gigs of computer files this weekend and consolidate them on a new external Toshiba hard drive. You're just crazy. Wow. Yeah, I was out of control. Wow, that's uh, some heavy lifting of the gigs. Well, I didn't have to leave the house to see Harry Potter because I got to see it last Monday. So You're so cool. But it's but it's huge. It was like, it, I I really lowballed it in terms of the box office because I was saying like 30 million or 40 million or something, but it was massive. Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because on the one hand, it just it did fabulous. Um, it it was the the highest grossing um, one in the franchise yet. Um, over the five days since it opened, it's made 159.7 million. It's the sixth biggest opening for a five day period, so it's it's just done gangbusters. But as the L.A. Times pointed out, if you sort of factor in ticket inflation and that kind of stuff, it's performing kind of on par with the last one, the Order of the Phoenix. Right. But um, but it seems like the, the hype about it has been has been huge. Well, and it's it, it is uh, it is sort of surprising actually that it's done this well because it's been two years since the last one. It was delayed because of the writers' strike, and coming up to this, there was a lot of you know running around flailing by industry experts wondering if Twilight had sort of sucked away all the sort of young fans who were interested in fantasy. Because I see what you did there. It was a little more yeah yeah, yeah. it was a little more hormonal. Um, and maybe one of the reasons why uh, this chapter of Harry Potter did as well as it did, you know, considering it is the sixth movie in the franchise, and usually by that time things are starting to spiral down, is that it's up to the hormone factor. So I think we're we're on to the magic ingredient. There hormones. is a whole lot of lust in this Harry Potter film, which is yeah. which is really awkward because I remember uh, you know, we've kind of seen those kids grow up in this franchise. So it does. It, it is kind of a weird thing when you're watching the movie, and on the one hand, you realize you spend a lot of time with the characters, but you also spend a lot of time with the actors, uh, and here they and here they are embracing, uh, you know, adulthood in all of its in all its many forms. So, yeah, I. Uh, but it's it's it really is astounding, though. It's and as as Tim will tell you, it's worth seeing on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and Sarah and I were both on the same page. That is, you know, it's a lot beautiful. of them, and people will sometimes say, oh, "I'll wait and watch it," at, you know, at home, and that is. Probably fine for most movies, but this really does deserve to be seen on a big, big screen. It's uh, it's quite something. Well, among the many things that I feel um, guilty about today is I haven't seen it yet, but I will. I will. I've just been busy. Don't peddle your lies here, oh, Christy Turnquist. Gosh. Well, anyway, to take the, the heat off me for a minute, let's go back to the box office, because number two was Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs, which is still getting the family crowd, 17.7 mil. Um, Transformers, Michael Bay as the Antichrist, earned another 13.8 million. <laughs> Bruno did not do very well. It dropped seventy three percent, and I'm all choked up about it. Obviously, I that movie's going to have a quick burn oh, factor. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. coming out with the kids' version in uh, England. Did you tell me that it. they're editing it down, which is yeah. just it seems sort of pointless. Is it going to be thirty minutes long? Yeah, I can't imagine why. Here's the thing about uh, about that movie though is that unlike Borat, it, I think the the wait time between between set pieces in Bruno is a lot longer. You're having, I mean, because in Borat, it was about every five or six minutes, there'd be something that was really sort of gut-bustingly funny. Uh, but in Bruno, it's like every 12 to 15 minutes. Hmm. You're kind of going, well, I wonder if it's going to, I wonder if it's going to pull itself back together. And then something great would happen. You kind of go, okay, well, he's got me. Maybe to, he can become like a new Pee Wee Herman type of character. Yeah, it's, well, I, and that's the other thing is also you just, Borat, I think, was, even though he's been doing those characters for a long time, Borat seemed like a, like a new kind of film in some ways. And oh, very Bruno, so, yeah. you can really see that it follows the same sort of story arc where it's, you know, str- strange guy, strange accent, funny assistant. And, and then he and the assistant split up two thirds of the way through and he has to strike out on his own. And he's sad and sleeping by the side of the road. And then he and the assistant have the tearful reunion. And then the huge thing happens at the end. 
And that is exactly the plot structure that both Borat and Bruno follow. Maybe they should edit in more scenes of Bruno saying that he wants to make sexy time. Yeah, maybe they're, I mean, really, I, you do know that as much as he's talking about retiring these characters, it's just a matter of time, uh, you know, until they're all, until they're sprung on us again, probably all in one film at some point in the future. Oh, yes, I it'll, can see that. There'll be, uh, there'll be some sort of weird, uh, you know, conflagration where all of them are sort of on the screen at the, uh, at the same time. I haven't missed Ali G, I gotta say. I, I was not on the Ali G train. Yeah, me, me neither, actually. The no. only good Ali G moment was when he interviewed Pat Buchanan. I mean, that's, and that really is largely because of Pat Buchanan's presence, not, not so much Ali G. So, well, that is kind of a strange world colliding moment. It, it really is. So, uh, and then, and I don't, and I'm trying to think of what the, the four and five uh, would have been, and I can't even really place what movies, what uh, numbers four and five would be, because I can't really, I can't really think of anything that's else that's out right now in the movies. Yeah. Well, Bruno was number four, and then five is The Hangover. The Hangover, which is okay, which is still on my list of things that I got to see. If, so. well, it, I've seen it. It's funny. It's not the world's greatest comedy, but it's funny. You know, is management still enough. out? Yes, yes, Tim. They're bringing it back. We're at BC. They're bringing it back just in time for Oscar nominations. By the way, that'll yeah, be. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't that stoked on the Hangover either. I mean, I thought it was pretty funny, but I really thought like PS uh, or I Love You Man is a lot funnier. And yeah. you know, and Old School was really good too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. Yeah. But those kinds of comedies, if they come in rapid succession, you do kind of feel like you're getting all the guy humor sort of strip mined out of your brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after a while, I just feel like that like they're starting to kind of recycle some of that same ground. And that was a little bit of the sense that I got um, watching just the trailer uh, yeah. for Hangover, which I which I still have to see. Did you but, see I Love uh, You, Man? I, uh, I didn't, know. Oh, it's on my... Uh, it is hilarious. Like, you'd my, really like it. It's on my Netflix queue. Okay, cool. Uh, it has Paul Rudd, and he makes any movie worth oh, seeing. Oh, yeah. I uh, no, I did watch. Uh, I I did watch Old School just uh, again just the other day though actually, and I was just struck by what a great great film that it is. It is really funny. And I have to, I have high hopes for that new Apatow film, uh, Funny People, which I is a screening so. next Monday. Yeah, I hope it's I hope it's good. You know, I am so excited that uh, Judd Apatow uh, has made his third film. So let's get that out of the way. But by the same token, doesn't it seem like it's about his fiftieth film? Yeah, because he's mm. produced so many and co-written. And... Because he's like Tarantino, where so you remember after Pulp Fiction, every single thing that came out somehow had Tarantino's name associated with it. Yeah. And it would be from executive producer, Quentin Tarantino, a film by another guy altogether yeah. called. And then, yeah. you know, and then the, the number of things that I myself personally just rented because... Like it just said, Quentin Tarantino really big on the front of the box, and I would think, oh, that's great. It must be a Tarantino film of some kind. And I get it home, and really, it's just, it's just like a, it's it's a thing that like happened to sit on Tarantino's desk on the yeah. right day when he went, sure, fine, I'll put it out, no problem. Yeah, he walked through the room when it was being discussed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is coming up in the uh, Oregonian, Christy Turnquist? Well, gosh, let's see. I'm working on something about an arts uh, sort of residential work community called Milepost Five. I'm going to be visiting that this week. And then uh, tonight, actually, I'm going to be at the Hollywood Theater um, having some Q&A with director Catherine Bigelow because she's going to be there for a screening of The Hurt Locker, which is really an incredible movie. And it's a fundraising event for the Portland Women's Film Festival. The Portland so. Women's Film Festival featuring uh, many submissions by me, Rick Emerson. Ooh, All right. that's novel. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian, ladies and gentlemen. And speaking of Judd Apatow, by the way, uh, if you are caller 10 at this juncture at 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101. We've got a pass for two to KUFO's premiere of Funny People, the latest from writer-director Judd Apatow, starring Adam Sandler, Seth Rogen, uh, Jonah Hill, and Jason Schwartzman. The premiere is next Monday, the 27th, from Columbia Pictures. Rated R, 18 and over. But if you are caller 10 right now, we have a uh, pair of tickets for you to see that. 
4101. Reader and print in the Oregonian, online at OregonLive.com. Christy Turnquist, back after this. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Stay there. This is the Rick Emerson Show. Not only is a killer, he was trolling for homosexuality online. Listen online, live, or via podcast at KUFO.com. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Monday morning. Sometime before the end of the show, you will hear us play a Motley Crue song when you do. And that's sometime before 9 a.m. When you hear that, you be caller 10. You win yourself a uh, pair of passes to Crew Fest 2, which happens next Tuesday, the 28th, the amphitheater at Clark County. You also get a copy of the reissue of uh, Dr. Feelgood, which Motley Crue will be performing uh, live in its entirety for the first time. So uh, tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Or you can find out more about Crew Fest 2 at KUFO.com, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, 747. It's going to be close to 100 degrees by the end of the week. Just in the 90s, though, to start off today, the Portland metro area will be under a fire weather watch beginning later this morning. The American soldier being held by the Taliban in Afghanistan has been identified as Private Bowie Bergdahl of Ketchum, Idaho. He is seen in a video posted on the Internet talking about missing his family and worrying he will not make it home from the war. I have my girlfriend who is hoping to marry. Uh, I have my, my grandma and grandpas. I have a very, very good family that I love back home in America. So what is, what is the deal? How did, this, how did this come to pass, Tim? Apparently it was put up there for propaganda purposes. But I mean, how did how is it though that he was captured? Let's see. Does it, was, I mean, does uh, it say like that they because American? I mean, is America the guys just don't wander up by themselves? Clearly, yeah. I mean, he must have been. Was it, were they? Was there some whole group of soldiers that uh, were attacked or something, or that were ambushed? It, it doesn't really go into it that much. I it, I'm I'm just sort of I. It's odd that we didn't hear about a, sort of a big incident. Well, they, they kept it quiet. That is true, and it makes you wonder if uh, how it is that the that this tower is from Ketchum, Idaho. How they knew about it? Because I guess it was sort of an open secret there. They over say the he's last a member of the twenty fifth Infantry Division from Fort Richardson, Alaska. Two weeks ago, his status was changed from whereabouts unknown to missing, captured. That's all they're really saying. So we so we don't know. So at some point, at some point, they knew where he was, and then the next, and then and then they didn't know where he was for some period of time, and now he's turned up in this mm-hmm. video. All right, okay. Here's uh, Tim Riley. A well-known Seattle recording engineer has been shot to death in a bizarre accident at a Twisp Washington Motel. Twisp is north of Seattle. Forty-nine-year-old Tom Faithful tried to use a key in the wrong hotel room door and was shot to death by the person inside through the door. Yeesh. He was on vacation with his wife. The 49-year-old's career spanned some 30 years. He engineered live shows for B.B. King, The Black Crows, Hart, Nirvana, and Aerosmith, just to mention a few. Uh, by the way, speaking of hotel room doors, so somebody sent me this article uh, from the Detroit Free Press about Aaron Andrews, who's this, she's a, the, the sideline reporter uh, for ESPN. And so apparently there's this uh, video that is, pardon me, <coughs> uh, floating around that is of her changing or naked uh, somehow. And it says here, someone recorded video through the peephole of ESPN sideline reporter Aaron Andrews' hotel room without her knowledge while naked. Mm. 
I'm presuming they mean that the person who took the video was clothed and Aaron Andrews was naked, despite how this is written. The video was posted on the Internet, but has since been removed. Andrews, one of the most popular ESPN personalities, covers the sidelines for college football, basketball, baseball, and the National Spelling Bee. It is unknown the hotel of the date where the video was taken. Okay, now, her, so we heard that this was just a hoax. Sarah said that you said you saw something it was just a virus. But I yes. think, so it seems like li- what is likely the situation here is that the video itself is authentic, but that uh, virus guys who don't ever miss a chance to spread mischief and mayhem have latched onto the, the, everybody looking for the video as an opportunity to spread their uh, their malware. Her attorney issued this statement while alone in the privacy. Okay, so the attorney confirms that it's real. While alone in the privacy of hotel room, Erin Andrews was surreptitiously videotaped without her knowledge or consent. She was the victim of a crime and is taking action to protect herself and help ensure that others are not similarly violated uh, in the future. So that's. So that's sort of intriguing. I mean, because she should have put a piece of tape over the peephole. But I mean, I don't know how you would how you would even do that uh, because a you would have to you'd have to know what hotel room she was going to be in. And look, let's be honest: the woman from ESPN, the side reporter from ESPN, Aaron Andrews, does not stay at whatever this hotel is that this guy was shot through the door at in the uh, you know in Twisp, Washington. Yeah. So. If you're Aaron Andrews from ESPN, you're staying at, I would imagine, what is a relatively upscale or posh hotel. Mm -hmm. So even if somebody were able to figure out where you were staying or what room you were in, I mean, I don't even know if a hotel like that would have a peephole. A peephole seems like something you would have at sort of a down market hotel. People seem pretty outdated. Well, that seems like a thing you would have at a hotel where you were worried about the wrong person getting up to your room, which is probably not the case at a hotel like that. But even if if you did have one, wouldn't that require actually, like, taking the door apart? Mm Mm-hmm. So you would have to take the door apart, and as Tim said, you would have to reverse the peephole somehow, and then you would have to do all of this without anybody noticing or observing you or catching you doing it, and then you would have to stand outside the peephole with a camera like 24 hours a day, because when do you, I mean, how would you know that that Aaron Andrews is going to be, is going to be changing inside and where she's going to be standing when she's doing it? I mean, maybe it's a cry for help on her part. That's Tim Riley saying that, by the way. I'm uh, Rick Emerson isn't saying that's the case. I'm just saying. I'm speculating. Can you think of any logical way that this video that was allegedly taken of ESPN sideline reporter Aaron Andrews while she was nude changing in her hotel room uh, and again saying the quote took it through the peephole. Can you think of any way that that would be done? No. Let me ask you this, Sarah. Not especially. Let's say Ryan Reynolds is in town. He's staying uh, downtown at a hotel, and you wish to obtain video of him uh, changing, and you want to do this to the people of his hotel room. How would you do that? Dress up like a maintenance worker. Okay, and so you would then you would dress up as a maintenance worker, and you would then come and you would take the door apart. I would take the the people apart and then flip it around. But so then, that way, I'm so I can look in, but he. When he tries to look out, he won't be able to look out. First of all, it kind of disturbs me and impresses me all at once that you came up with that answer. It just it's Ryan you know Reynolds. without having to think about it. Okay, so it seems like if you're at a, at a like an upscale hotel, that's going to be difficult to do. But okay, uh, let's grant that you could do that. Mm-hmm. But then, how are you going to get the actual film of it? I mean, you would then also have to rig some camera mm-hmm. up, and that seems like it's going to be harder because then where's the camera going to go? Because the first time somebody tries to use the people, they're going to see them work. And even if they don't notice that. And how do they know the exact time that she was going to disrobe? That's, see, that's my other thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, even if you could put the actual camera on the outside of the people, like, where is the signal going to? It's got to record somewhere. You know, like, you can't, like, it's got to, it's got to record onto something. Yeah, I'm trying to think how you could creepily film somebody without having anybody else suspect it. Let's everybody figure it out now live, how it is that you can creepily film somebody without being <laughs> discovered. Anyone? No.
So I it just Maybe it was the lens was actually hidden in a rose petal or something. I it, I'm not saying uh, that it's not a true story or that she somehow set this up herself. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying it does seem a little mysterious mm-hmm. that this video uh, would come into existence the way that it does. Also because it requires you it also assumes that not only is she going to be naked at some point and changing and you're going to have the camera pointed at her, but that she's going to be standing in one place because if she decides to change in the bathroom or she wanders off, I mean, she's she's it not. Kind of How weird. long did this change actually take That's place? That's the first thing I thought of. Is like, I don't get dressed in front of my hotel room door when I'm in a hotel. Especially if you're in a hotel, again, that is someplace where, you know, you're working for ESPN. You're not in some one-room box of a hotel. I you're mean, in a largish place. Rinsing out her nylons in the bathroom sink, standing there naked, or what activity was going on? I don't know, Tim. These are all questions that need to be answered. I would not have seen any pictures about it what do you mean did you have you received anything in your inbox should i have i mean i shouldn't because it's wrong no of course are you not. saying that i might have though i think you might have right. would yeah, this I'm have been saying, recently it does look like it's very centered hold on wait where hold on wait don't what open if, 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 if it's from you, nigeria what are, you, what are you talking about oh hey are you talking about i mean i don't know anything about these photographs that just apparently I mean, appeared. look at how centered it is well this this does appear this isn't even she, like, changing. This is something? this isn't even changing. This is just uh, standing there, all nuded up, wandering around. This is just standing in one place, uh, like doing calisthenics while nude. All right, I. This is all very confusing. Maybe she's a fitness buff. By the way, it should be noted that I did not actively seek out uh, any any sort of visual representation oh, of this of this film. Her. Somebody actually uh, brought up a good point. Maybe someone drilled a hole in the door. Like if it has some kind of. With her in there. Like paneling or something in it? Maybe they could, like, drill a hole through so it's not really a peephole. Well, maybe, but I mean, of all the, but of all the, of all of the rooms and all the hotels in the world, why would they have picked that, uh, why would they have picked that door in that room? They almost would have had to have known. Maybe it was somebody who worked on the staff who knew that she was staying there. Mm, all right. Mm. Greg, are these people all calling about peepholes and Aaron Andrews? All right. All right, so hang tight. We'll uh, get phone calls here in just a moment. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland! Hello, sir. What do you got? Well, you know, my observation on the uh, people story with Aaron Andrews is just that it's very simple. They weren't going through the people. They had installed a people somewhere else. That's relatively easy to do. So what are the necessary steps to do that? Well, I wouldn't know all of them, of course, but modern media has taught me through films and such that, you know, jamming a hole in a wall, in a ceiling, uh, in uh, near a doorway, a window, and then using one of those telescopic-type cameras, the little snake cameras, you could get a lot of bad things done that way. Theoretically speaking, if one were so inclined. Yeah. Not that I know anything about it. No, of course. Not that that you advocate that or seem to know a disproportionate amount of information about that activity. No, you're not recording this, are you? Did you, in fact, take the Aaron Andrews videotape? Admit it! Tell me! (laughs) I know nothing. KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. They attacked me like a bunch of mad wolf, and they stretched forward until I was going to die. Because they were like rabid animals. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't forget, sometime this hour, sometime before 9 a.m., you will hear a Motley Crue song when you hear it. 
If you call or 10, you win yourself a pair of tickets to Crew Fest 2, happening next Tuesday, the 28th at the Clark County Amphitheater, along with a copy of the reissue of Dr. Feelgood, which uh, Motley Crew is going to be performing live in its entirety for the first time. So that is uh, next Tuesday, that show, Crew Fest 2. Tickets on sale at Ticketmaster.com, or you can go to KUFO.com for more information and be listening for Motley Crew uh, sometime this hour. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this Monday morning? That Taliban hostage was recently in Portland. I'm sorry? Let me try that again. Uh, voice today. I know. That Taliban hostage was recently in Portland. He has relatives here. The Apollo 11 astronauts agree people don't care about the moon anymore because it's gray, dusty, and boring. Uh, the battle over the custody of Michael Jackson's kids enters a new chapter after the dermatologist will offer proof that he's the sperm donor. So th- God. this is the guy who said two weeks ago that, to the best of my knowledge, I'm not the father. But to the best the of my knowledge before I hired a lawyer. <laughs> so now to the best of his knowledge, he is the father. Two Staples employees get into a fight. One is stabbed in the head. And Harry Potter runs away with the weekend box office. Excellent. All right. Oh, by the way, and so we've, uh, and people have sent us varying stories about about uh, the, the 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 soldier from Ketchum, uh, Idaho, who's been who's in that Taliban video. So I guess, I guess the military, I guess their version of the story was for uh, quite some time that he quote that he left the base, that he left the base with three Afghan men. This is I guess what the military said. Mm-hmm. Although in the video he says something entirely different. In the video he says that he was out on patrol and quote lagged behind everybody, and I guess was then just sort of caught unawares. So this is uh, already a bit like that Jessica Lynch thing mm-hmm. uh, where there were like five different versions of the story that came out because you get the sense that not everybody, everybody didn't bother to get into a room uh, with a conference call set up and decide exactly what they were going to say. All right. It's 503-228-4101. All right. Uh, before we uh, before we get to, uh, too far. Ooh, more True Blood? Yeah. Well, yeah. Just, yeah because even though I'm not caught up, I know that everybody else is more or less. And I'll be caught up after the show today. So I'm... When I get home today, I'm going to uh, watch episode three. Then I will uh, spend the next day or so trying to get the, on the same page as the rest of America as regards this uh, television show. I already made the observation about how the uh, the season one finale, there's that thing where Bill is on fire and covered in dirt, and he keeps calling her Thookie, okay. which I know I'm supposed to find uh, this sort of poignant because he's walking. Spoiler, he's walking through the sun uh, to get to her, and he's actually and he's just in flames, which is hilarious. He's all crumbly. Because he just look, it looks like a bad stuntman sketch or something, where he's like this bill-shaped candle who's just lurching through the woods to get to her. And Sookie's voice is kind of annoying, too, and she's like, Bill! Everybody's voice. That was the Everyone's other thing I wrote down. So I'm watching True Blood last night, and I, I made this note to myself. Uh, this is a note I made last night at 8.35. It says, There is only one instruction to the cast of True Blood. Overact whenever possible. Everyone on that show... Make your accent super ridiculous. Here's the thing, and maybe this is why the show is is genius. I can't tell if it's intentionally bad or not, like if it's campy. I mean, obviously there's humor to it. I mean, there's a certain amount of sort of dark, sort of bleak humor to to the show. Mm -hmm. But I can't tell if they are aiming for kitsch, like right out of the gate... Well, with or, the vampire sex at the beginning when she's chained to the ceiling, I don't. It I, seems kind of campy to me. Uh, maybe I just I just don't know. I I mean, Alan Ball seems to have a little bit of that sensibility to him, but I just I, I'm just unclear. And when I would, Sam's doing the V and I, they have all like the magical lands, I would I would like to think I would like to think that it's intentional because otherwise it means that they're aiming for quality and they're somehow hitting the crap target over and over again. Uh, let's see, what else do I have here? But at the same time, they're doing something right, because we're all obsessed with it. I mean, look, look I'm, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. I'm sitting there, I'm watching it, along with the rest of the country. I feel like such a dork, but, um, you know, on face on the Facebook, I never take quizzes, ever, but I saw someone who had a True Blood one, what character you are. 
on True Blood. And you are, wait, hold on, don't tell me. You are, if you were a True Blood character, you would be, you're Tara. I'm not Tara. You're Tara. You're this. You're the, uh, you're, uh, what's it, you're, you're Sookie's uh, longtime confidant. Every time I say Sookie, I have to say Sookie. <laughs> Yucky. <laughs> <laughs> And it makes me wonder, like, I was wondering if they picked, if they picked Sookie intentionally. Sookie is the, so that, it sounds like Sucky because the vampires all want to drink First of all, Sookie is a strange name. It's a weird off-putting kind of name. There was a character in the Gilmore Girls named that. God, I sound like a woman sometimes. When I'm not talking, you know, the character in True sweet. Blood is a lot like a character in the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> It's like, what is the, uh, it's like, what does that guy say in the eastbound and down? You're basically a vagina with a mullet. Um, that's really, I feel that way sometimes uh, when I'm having these discussions. But You really think I'd be Tara? I do, but let me oh. just say that I almost wondered if they'd pick the name Sookie because they knew that when they when they went through Bill's, like, cornpone accent that it would come out as Sookie. But the, but I guess not because apparently it's based on a novel or a book or something. It is. It's called uh, the uh, Sookie Stackhouse Chronicle. I like your feigning like you're not quite sure. Like, you're not entirely positive about it. <laughs> I think it. it's a Sookie. Yeah, I'm going to read them. I've, you know. Retarded. Uh, so, but there's that moment uh, at the beginning of season two. Where, you know, her her grandfather, who I guess is kind of a bastard, is dead. And she confronts Bill about it. Bill, did you kill my grandfather? My granddaddy. And he does that. So, okay, I will not apologize for being in love. I don't I, want your life. I am vampire. So he's, to, he's totally turning into James Vanderbeek in Varsity Blues. <laughs> and, I mean, she just reads him the riot act about how, I want you to quit killing everybody. Did you kill my grandpappy? And then he says... So, okay, I killed him, and I would do it again because I love you. And I drank his blood. And then she just begins crying and humping him. Apparently, that is the way to, to a girl's heart. That's did you, crawling out of a grave covered in dirt. Did you do that thing I told you not to do? Yes, I did. I will not apologize for loving you. And then the next thing you know, they're like effing it out on a bearskin rug in front of a fire. Makes no sense at all. And by the way, can I'm I ask this? Gently, Bill. Let me, let me just ask you this. If he can't be near the sun, why can he be near fire? It's the same thing. The sun is just fire, friends. I hate to break this to you. The sun is just fire. That's all it is, uh, kids. So if he can't be near the sun, he shouldn't be able to be in the sun or you know, near a fire. He it's be able the, to make sweet, sweet love with Sookie. The sun, is a, fire. the sun is just a big fire that happens to be a long way away. That's really the, the only difference there is one of proximity. Um, let's see. So you still haven't guessed what true bug character I was. No, no, but I have to do these. One more note. Uh, you have to take this quiz, P.S. Happy, I'm not taking the true bug quiz. Uh, I'm not. I'm, uh, okay. Uh, I did it, and I look like an idiot. Is it going to post on my Facebook that I was doing it? Yes, it will. I can't do that. I can't, I can't be, Rick Emerson's taking away true blood character, you <laughs> test. You have to, come There's on. no privacy anymore. No, there it's isn't. It's Joe Gold, and I really want to know who you'd be. Well, let me just say this. And I think I speak on behalf of nerds uh, everywhere uh, when I say that I was exceptionally happy to see Michelle Forbes appear at the end of season one. Michelle Forbes is what's her name, Marianne, who runs the weird school for change of files oh, yeah. or whatever the hell. More interesting too. Michelle Forbes, dudes and geeks love her uh, because she was a she was on Homicide: Life in the Street. B uh, she was on the what did Star Trek uh, blah blah blah. That's where I know her from, like Voyager. Uh, Voyager, yeah, with the with the, the she was a pointy ear. She was a Vulcan, I think. Um, uh, my my Trek foo is weak, uh, but she was, I think, yeah, I think she was a Vulcan type. Uh, what else? She was also on Battlestar. She was on uh, she was on that Battlestar Galactica sort of uh, that, that um, the one off they did Razor. She was in that. Uh, 
Also, she's just hot, by the way. Hot she's and kind very of a, pretty. She, yeah, she's, she's strange looking, like exotic looking. That's almost. the thing. She's hot and like a creepy kind of, like you get the feeling. She, she is, and her character is creepy too. And she's sort of goth looking even when she doesn't try to be. That's the thing about. Um, oh, you're going to like, yeah, this season two a lot. There is a lot of Marianne in it. I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Michelle Forbes. All right, so go to my Facebook page and grab my grab the quiz. All right, but first of all, I should say that Greg has described this next call as Josh has true blood comment and southern accent. All right. Let's see. I'm sorry. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show, Josh. Hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. All right. What? Uh, how can I help you, sir? Uh, well, the reason I was calling is uh, y'all made mention about um, about Bill uh, taking out Sookie's great-granddaddy and all actuality. It wasn't a great-granddaddy. It was a great-uncle Bartlett. Oh, that's it right. Was, and he was, he was all molesty. Because he was abusive. Or, he was, and he showed up at the funeral. And she had the big blowout with her brother. That's when the that's when what's his name Jason hit her because yeah. they were fighting about the the great the great uncle fighting. or whatever. We're all starting fighting. to talk like a true blood character now. Uh, Jesus, let me ask you this: uh, as a man, where, from uh, from where are you, sir? What part of the south? I'm originally from Louisiana myself. Okay, so as someone from Louisiana, what do you make of the accents on that show? Even vaguely realistic or not? Oh, it's it's totally realistic. Really? So that's so it's not like Bill's accent is not. Because it sounds fake to me, but I've noticed that sometimes, like, here's the thing, like, people from Australia are this way. If I meet somebody from Australia, I have noticed that I always think Australian accents are fake. I always think that it's fake. Or when I'm watching a movie or something, and there's a guy from Australia, and he'll have the accent, and I go, that's such a fake Australian accent. And then I've offended his southern sensibility. I think that sounded like a dropped call. That didn't sound like offense. I don't want your call! All right. So, so what am I doing? Okay, good Sucky. Way. So go to my Facebook page. Uh-huh. Facebook.com. Now, see, but is it going to tell everybody on Facebook that I just took this? Yes, it totally will. And you know All what? Right. It's telling everybody that I did. So do you want to guess mine, or should we reveal on I'm telling side? you yours. You're Tara. I am not Tara. Okay, God, you just gave away Tara. that you're not Tara. So, uh, but you are, though. That's the character you would be. No, she is terrible. She is, she is my least favorite character on that show. Mm-hmm. Flitting as she does from one relationship to another. Mm-hmm. Control freak. Often... Bitchy and fighty. Bitchy and fighty? I'm not, I'm just saying, you know, she can occasionally be a little abrasive. She can occasionally uh, be she's a little spiky a, in terms of her personality. Oh, she's just a whole bunch of uh, ball of bad. I'm saying that I, now look, just so you don't think that I'm picking on you, uh, the, the, I would say that all of those things apply to me as well, because you and I, you you and I know that, uh, you and I both know that we, we share a lot of character traits. We're very similar in some ways. I'm mm-hmm. saying I would probably be her as well, because I know that, in fact, didn't, in fact, I think we just got a text message from somebody who said that I was, quote, a bitch today. Let's see. Uh, this says... You sound like a bitch today? <laughs> text message. Rick, your show sucks. You're, <laughs> your show sucks. You're a bitch. I don't care about your voyeur fetish, you nerd. Well, there's a lot of things there. I guess it's not just that I'm a bitch. Apparently, there's a whole ball of things he doesn't like about uh, <laughs> you're a of the show. Nerd. So, uh, anyway. I think if I could be anybody, I would want to be Lafayette. I don't mean you're bitchy in general, but I'm saying, you know how, but I'm saying you have, um, you do like, like I do, you have mood swings Mm -hmm. uh, where you're in a great mood, but then something small will happen. And then it immediately, it's like the dark cloud, mm-hmm. just just covers everything. Sort of uh, the way that, and, and I'm really not saying it this way, cause, uh, but sort of in a low-grade way, like you will hear about people who have, I don't know, who get kind or of... bipolar? Yeah, or like manic... <laughs> see, I'm so glad you said that, because I was trying to go, who are a little bit with manic dancing depressive. But you know, it's like, it's the best mood ever. It's the, you know, it's the best... Having, having a great day ever, you know. Ago. You get a parking ticket. Today sucks! I wish I was dead! Uh, and so you and I have both a little bit of that. Great mood, great mood, great mood. Something happens, worst day ever. Mm-hmm. 
Tara has some of that, so that's why I would think that you would be like her. See, I, but then the person I would want to be most like who I'm not is Lafayette. Like, is he so unrepentantly, like, you know, himself? He's, uh, he embraces his flamboyance. I love his, him. All right, so uh, yeah, go to my page and take it, and then I'll take it away. Fine, fine. Okay, but you have to tell. Okay, but you have to guess in advance because I guessed you were Tara. Okay, I. You guessed, have to guess who, what True Blood character I would be. Could I sound more like a woman? I think that you're going to be Eric. <sighs> really, the vampire? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm being nice. You're calling me a bitch, and Eric's pretty badass. <sighs> I have to start dating Johnny DeRussi. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have blood in my hair? I couldn't abide having blood in my hair. Look at my ruffled sleeves. Anywho. Uh, all right, straight ahead, Tim Riley. Will you have more news for us? Yes, I'm sure I can dig some up. I know, you, I know you feel bad about this whole conversation, but you feel good that you're not a part of it. Straight ahead, The Rick Emerson Show continues live from beautiful downtown Portland. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't miss a moment of The Rick Emerson Show, or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. I was toilet trained at 12. Listen online, live, or via podcast at KUFO.com. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, you can email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. You can also text at 52051. The texting uh, that we've got this morning include the following. Rick, I was thinking the same thing. The show sucks and you are a queen. <laughs> that's, awesome. That's very unkind. Followed up by this one says, Rick, do you sit down to pee? LOL joking. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. When you say LOL joking, it really, it brings into stark relief the fact that you were utterly serious. So, uh, you and know, I'm just. Just a little bit more. <laughs> that's, that's right, Sarah. That's why I don't know how to love. Um. <laughs> These calls are unlabeled, so I'll just sort of... Uh, did hello. you take the quiz, too? Hi. Yes, I did. I took okay. the stupid quiz. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I'll reveal in a moment the results of that quiz. Hello. Hi. Who's this? This is Robert. Hello, Robert. How can I help you today? Uh, first of all, I basically like listening to your show, but sometimes you say things, and i got to call you on this one. I mean, vampires and fire. Yes, sir. It's the ultraviolet light that they're allergic to. If, if anybody knows anything about vampires, they know it's the ultraviolet radiation from the sun. Wait a minute. Are you criticizing my science knowledge coupled with the phrase, if anybody knows anything about vampires, they know that blank, blank, blank? I can't criticize your, your science knowledge, Rick. There is none. Okay, but I, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that I know a lot about science. Clearly, I, I do not. I'm it's willing not to admit I could be wrong. It's just vampire lore. Okay, I was just going to say, I just want to make sure that we weren't trying to establish some sort of empiric uh, vampire fact here. Okay, so, you're, no, so fire has no ultraviolet light? It has extremely little. Okay, so you're saying that the, the primary characteristic of the sun that causes vampires harm does not exist in, let's say, a campfire. Right. It's the same thing that gives us a sunburn. All right. I uh, so, can't get a sunburn from a fire. So I'm. Uh, I suppose oh, that's this true. Is amazing. All right. So uh, so I'm kind of a science fail, is what I am today. That's right. All right. You still I, got you still got the best show on the radio. All right. Thank you, my friend. Are you spreading the word? I. Don't talk to people. I work too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in prison. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. All right, there you go. All right. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Psst. It's you. Start talking. All right. Fail. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> 
In the news with Tim Riley. 845. Good morning. It's going to be close to 100 degrees by the end of the week, just in the 90s till we get there. The Portland metro area will be under a fire weather watch beginning later this morning. The National Weather Service says the advisory will continue until an unspecified time. They'll let you know. Warm temperatures mixed with low humidity make for ideal fire conditions. Please try not to start fires. A crowd beat the living daylights out of an alleged robber at a Gresham flea market over the weekend. The cops say 21-year-old Raymond Carlos Baca robbed two men at gunpoint, mugged a guy at a McDonald's restroom, and then made his biggest mistake pistol-whipping a 71-year-old man at the flea market restroom in Gresham. Customers grabbed him. I saw a picture of him. Boy, he doesn't look pretty today. Does, does he look like trouble? Well, yes, he does. And that troublemaker is in the hospital. When he gets out, charges are going to be filed against him. The swift, steely sting of justice, Tim. Mm-hmm. Who pissed away a 71-year-old man, by the way? That's that probably the last time. Yeah, that seems yeah. like you're, uh, that mm-hmm. seems like a bit of overkill right there. Yeah, Special he, place in hell. Absolutely. And uh, we're remembering Walter Cronkite today. Some of the notables checking in include Sam Donaldson. He was so against the war in Iraq. He thought it was a foolish war. He thought it was something that we shouldn't fight. Now, in the days when he was anchor, you would not have known that, except for that exception on Vietnam. Uh, we don't have any sound bites from Katie Couric. We do have some from, from uh, Brian uh, Williams, though. To me, as a little kid, as a viewer who watched him narrate the Cold War, the space program, the Vietnam War, um, it was the center of the universe from small-town America. Now, by the way, somebody... Now, see, now we're getting text messages like, are vampires able to weld... See now, I see, but this is the thing where I can't, like, I can't tell what True Blood is camp or not. I can't tell if this is a, if that's a legitimate question or somebody's sarcastic. effing with me. I don't think there are UV rays and welding. You know, I'm. You don't know, and I just I like I didn't know about the campfire. So, and it's not necessary, by the way, to point. You can't get a sunburn from a campfire. That's a thing that I'm aware of. I don't know a whole lot, but I I know that small amount. Jesus, God. A Florida dentist is being sued for allegedly dropping tools down the throat of an elderly patient not once but twice. Where, Tim? Florida. We both play at the same time. Yeah, I'm not not prepared to call a winner there. Relatives of 90-year-old Charles Gall Jr. have filed a lawsuit. Uh, the lawsuit Charles de Gaulle Jr.? Charles Gall Jr. Oh, okay, not, okay. No, not de Gaulle. That's less interesting, but okay. Mm Mm-hmm. The lawsuit said the uh, doctor dropped an implement screwdriver tool in 2006 and then a mini wrench in 2007. A mini wrench? What do you do into a guy's mouth? You need a wrench of any kind. I don't know. Maybe like braces or something. Yeah, but he's, but he's, how old was the guy? 90. They probably figured that he wouldn't be complaining. Braces are probably not the issue here. (laughs) It might be a little past the point of that mattering. They dropped a wrench into his mouth. Yes. All right. Mm -hmm. Time for a hick watch. Here's your uh, hick watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Slobbering all around the house Copenhagen Makes me feel so good oh, yeah. From the heartland, the car dealer in Missouri has come up with an alternative to a cash rebate. If you buy a pickup truck from Muller Max Motors in Missouri, you get an AK-47 assault rifle. Awesome. They, they really receive a vulture to go buy it. A vulture. Uh, Gabe Johnson in Missouri said... No, I would not like it to encourage people to get an AK-47. I'm fine with a rifle, but maybe not assault rifles. I don't see the purpose of AK-47s. Counter is Mr. Muller. We get a lot of press out of these kinds of promotions. We sell a lot of cars, and we have a lot of fun. Where is this at? <laughs> Missouri. Is there anybody worth killing in Missouri? 
I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's a hard land. I, you have to. I mean, you you have to look. I mean, you can always, I guess, find somebody who's got it coming. But mm-hmm. you know, an AK forty seven seems like a. Uh, it seems probably shot- more gun than you need. Have you ever shot one? Uh yeah. When we we needed the thing with uh, honest, uh fairly honest Don. Oh, they're very fun. Yeah, it's it was just one time and it was a little freaky. Uh, quite frankly, something <laughs> kind of weirded me out a little bit. All I right. miss guns. I shot some before that time we went out in a remote. That see, I wasn't there though. I was back at the studio. That's the time that you were out firing guns with strippers. That's true. That must be an urban legend. I always thought you were there. No, it must no be revisionist history. I couldn't. I head. couldn't. No, Matt Peterson was there. Oh, thank you, thank you for confusing the two of us. By the way, I appreciate that. Um, No, it was you and Matt Peterson and Kim Morgan, who at that time was our film critic. Hmm. uh, Before she moved to uh, L.A., and then I was back at the studio because we couldn't. What we couldn't do was a remote. We couldn't broadcast from there for some reason. So I had to be back at the studio. Mm -hmm. The Tim Riley Gun Fest. I got it on mini disc at home. Uh, which is which is like having something. I mean, yeah, it's like having something on a on a stone tablet. It does me no good. But yeah, that does exist. Oh, by the way, some two people now saying you can get sunburns from welding. All right, so tomorrow we'll ask whether or not vampires could. Mm. You know what? We're not. I'm gonna scratch that off. We're not gonna because that's stupid. We're not gonna ask that tomorrow. All right. All right. Speaking of vampires, did you take the quiz? Uh, yes, I took the True Blood. Uh, which character are you quiz? Okay. How did it come out? I'll reveal the answer in just one moment as to which True Blood character I am. Uh, I want to take this opportunity, by the way, talk to you about the KUFO half-off sale, uh, which this Friday at 9 a.m. Uh, will start featuring Rasha Thai and Asian Kitchen, uh, which is uh, it's one of the many places that we feature as part of the half-off sale. But here's why you want to know about this, is that it's uh, where you can get a lot of great Thai curry dishes. I mean, the traditional stuff, everything from the fish to beef and duck, and they've also got prawns, they've got vegetables, they've got uh, tofu curry, if that's the sort of thing you're into. Uh, Friday at 9 a.m., here's what you want to do. You want to go to KUFO.com this Friday, this Friday at 9 a.m., you click on the half-off banner, and you can get a $25 Rasha Thai and Asian Kitchen certificate for just $12.00. So, I mean, it's, it really is it's very simple. It's just uh, 12, get you 25. The half-off sale featuring Racha Thai and Asian Kitchen, where Thai curry dishes are traditionally done. You can find out more about that at KUFO.com, and you can get that half-off certificate uh, this Friday, starting at 9 a.m. Uh, at this point, though, we're going to give away uh, one right now before you can win them. Uh, if, or before you can buy them, rather, you can win one right now at 503-228-4101 if you're caller 10. 503 Two two eight four one zero one, and then you can buy those this Friday at nine a.m. All right. So without further ado, this is killing me. Okay, so you're going to reveal which character you are. Yes. Should I do mine first? Um. Yes. You took the quiz first. You should reveal yours first. I guessed Tara. Yes, and I was not Tara. In fact, here I'm going back to it now. And of course, my computer's freezing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my character was Sam Merlot. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? How random. You may have a few strange st- secrets you like to keep to yourself, but so does everyone else in your strange little town. You're a protective person who likes to keep an eye on those you care about. Though you do your best not to seem overbearing, your friendly and easygoing nature helps you get along with nearly everyone, but you're unlucky in love. <laughs> really? Okay. So, uh, I mean, I don't know that I could disagree with a whole lot there. Which uh, True Blood character am I, Sarah, do you think? I th- thought you were Eric. I am Eric. Oh, no way! Why? What makes me Eric to you? Because you're slightly evil. Eric, the, I'm not slightly evil. I the Eric is the sort of vampire boss. Uh, he's, he's the vampire sheriff. He's the, okay. Sorry, he's the sheriff. The boss is that Ivan Zanelico guy uh, from, uh, from Homicide Life on the Street, who's like the weird, creepy, kind of baldy guy. Is that um, where you said Marianne was from, too? Is she from that same show? Uh, she was from Homicide 2, actually. Yeah. Well noted. And somebody pointed out, that's right, that she was not a Vulcan. She was a Bajoran. She was Ensign Rowe uh, in Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm confusing with Kirstie Alley, who was a Vulcan. Um, it says, you are Eric Northman. 
you are cold and up. <laughs> You are cold and unapologetic. You just don't care about others or their feelings. Friends? Who cares about friends? You just get the job done, whatever the job may be. One thing you won't tolerate is crimes against your kind. You will have justice. Your kind of justice. People try to offer themselves to you, and depending on your mood, you may accept or decline. They're just there to be used anyway. It's best to stay clear of you. Well, what kind of a thing is that to say about me? A little offended. Who said actually. that about who? And the Facebook said that about me, Tim. Oh. What kind of thing is that about me where I knew that that was how it was going to end up? <laughs> Seriously. I, uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. You could have at least lied and said that I was somebody Don't good. Take it personally. I am taking it personally. I'm going to quit taking it personally now. So wait a minute. So Facebook says that I'm, a, I'm a cold and, and unapologetic that I just use people and have no feelings. And then all the text messages, they say that I'm a raging queen of some kind who's apparently bitchy. And Eric is kind of queenie. You shut up about <laughs> Eric being queenie. Your mom's kind of queenie. That didn't make any sense. That, that, didn't, really, that sense. didn't work the way I wanted I it I think to. it's time to end this program. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Uh, and done. All right. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Dax Holt from TMZ, as well as uh, Don Taylor from Cinematical, uh, who will give us uh, the good word as uh, regards DVD releases. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, as well as Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian today. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phone. The production assistant, Greg Nibbler. The front desk, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. The webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. Executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. Coming up at 9, it smells like the 9 with our good friend Buzz. It is Monday, July 20th, 2009, and that is The Frequency. Kenneth, this is The Rick Emerson Show. Thank you for listening. See you all tomorrow. Be safe. Bye now. I want to do bad things with you. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.